able to see it go in and just rock your shoulders. There's your champion, a major champion for the first time, Jimmy Walker. Don and I are currently drinking ridiculously refreshing <laughs> iced tea that I totally oversold him on before we started the podcast. It's good. It's it's more than it's above average in its refreshingness. Yeah, the pitcher's over there too. If you want to refill yours, because oh, I did, you know, put ice in it and stuff, so sweet. there wasn't a ton of liquid. Yeah, no, it's good. If we were to do an iced tea power rankings, because mm. right now we're drinking powdered iced tea. Yes. So I think my number one is a 16-ounce lemon Snapple glass bottle. Okay. I think that's my number one. That's somewhere probably along the lines where I fall to, but I'm like a little kid in the iced tea department where I don't want it to taste like tea. Like I don't want it to taste like sun tea at all. I want it to be very sweetened. and Right. So, yeah, the the brisk is a little bit too fake tasting, but a Snapple is probably like a plain I can enjoy Snapple is where it's at. Probably. A really cold, brisk can. I'm not crazy about brisk in a two-liter. Mm, okay. Um, I don't mind flavored, but definitely lemon or sweet top. would be my – lemon would be my number one. Sweet would be my number two. Raspberry, I guess, would probably be my number three. Yeah. Peach, four. Okay. And then you're just getting silly after that. Right. Uh what else do I enjoy? I'm fine with the powdered stuff, though, too. I'm not an iced tea snob. I always go nasty, though. I hate cheap powder. Hmm. I have to pay the extra 40 cents. I'm not getting the Wegmans brand powder. Yeah, I'm not sure I would know the difference. I'm you not... would. If yeah. you drank a glass of each side by side, you, you would. There's a podcast. Yes. <laughs> we have Joe Buck and Brian Curtis on the show today, but let's keep the iced tea conversation oh, gosh, yeah. going. <laughs> uh, it is season six, episode 21, August 4th, 2016. We're getting in a groove again, getting our feet back under us. Don is back after a one-week absence, which I eloquently described last week. <laughs> I heard. <laughs> hey, we had a week off. Yeah, I know. We ha- we took the week off. Yep. That was our text conversation. Yep. I thought we were taking a week off. Yes, we did. But I guess that's summer. You kind of lose track of time sometimes in summer. I do. Yeah. Um, I'm going to make a hack comment, too. But off the top, we played that highlight. The Getting the hole guy is way... Asshole. Yeah, yeah, he's an asshole. Like, does that guy still think he's funny? Is that guy, is that a guy that's still like making not jokes and stuff like that? I mean, at least on that putt, it has a chance to go in. But what I hate about that guy in general every time is he says it every putt. He says it every. He says it off the, the drives. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Oh, people who go to golf, they act like assholes there. Uh, yeah, maybe Happy Gilmore ruined it. He used Man. to be quiet. I mean, I enjoy a good Baba Booey if you can, <laughs> if you can do it right and at the right time, and you know, I, I'm all for that. But sure. then when you take Baba Booey and you change it to like hard potato and mm. cheese or whatever the thing that they were saying instead of that was, wasn't funny, right? And yes, get in the hole is hideous. So, what did you think, Don? I was anxious to ask you. Oh no. 
What did you think of the tech interview last week? The tech guy from oh, Engadget. I liked him. I thought he was good. I didn't think he went too deep or nerdy or anything like that. Uh, j- it was just deep enough for me. And I'm kind of a nerdy tech guy, but uh, yeah, I kind of liked. It was him. a good first interview, I think, with a guy. I kind of liked him, and he was very nice. Like, yeah, on Twitter, talking to me about he noticed Deitch and I having a Twitter conversation and kind of fouled us, okay. and then was listening to some shows, and I guess enjoyed them and. I noticed he was following me, so I followed him back, and I was thinking that, man, we don't have a tech guy or anything no, like right. that, and there's a lot of cool things happening. Like December will be really fun to bring him back and be like, what's awesome tech-wise out there? For Christmas? Yeah. Yeah. No, I like. I think I said to you, too. And uh, he likes sports, which is cool. Right. You know, so you can talk to him about tech and sports when they kind of overlap, too. Right. The guys listening to this only for sports don't have to turn it off immediately. Right. But, yeah, I, I think I said to you over text, uh, 75%, maybe more, about an interview I think that makes it compelling is if just the person's into it. Like if And he was he into was, it. He was, yeah. So. He was a very nice guy. I really enjoyed him. And I was praying the whole time I wouldn't call him Jerry Lawler at all. <laughs> and I don't think I did. No, I don't think so. Uh, and Molly Knight. Uh, Always good. Yeah, she was great. Yep. And that book was great. It really was. All right. On the show today. I, I guess I did mention it, mocking us. Joe Buck is on. 37 minutes with Joe Buck yesterday. Wow. He's just... You know what? He's a guy, too, that... I mean, I know that we're Joe Buck guys, but a lot of people... He's an easy target for whatever reason. That's hack hate. And, and he's he's, he's, he's good. good. He's good at his job. That that hate... Brian, Brian and I... Remember on launch day of The Ringer, probably the best thing on there was a long... Brian Curtis piece about Joe Buck. Okay. And it was just a coincidence that they ended up on the same show because really Brian and I were trying to find time for this for like the last three weeks. Right. But it kept getting pushed back because he went to the conventions. I mean, what is the criticism of Joe? He's a little. Well, the nepotism, I think. Oh, okay. Initially. Sure. You know, because, I mean, he was essentially in 1996. I think he says he's 25. I mean, Joe is. Calling the the World Series. Joe Buck is the opposite of. uh, I'm going to forget the guy's name. Who's the guy that does like the college football games and he's like bananas when crazy things happen? Gus Johnson. Gus Johnson. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Joe Buck is the opposite of that. But he's, he's got a real old old school style that sure. translates great to television. He's really good. Uh, he doesn't need us to. No. But he, listen, here's what I like about Joe Buck, and this is, I don't think he'd be upset. I mentioned this, but we do we do a 37 minute interview around three o'clock yesterday. Uh huh. 4.15, he texts me and says, I just wanted to make sure everything went well and you were cool with it and you didn't need anything else. Wow. Anything. No, that's that's classy. He doesn't need need us, like you said. That's cool. You know, and uh, he's going to be – his book comes out November 15th. So he'll be back when he's promoting the book. So we'll have him before Christmas again. So I'm excited uh, that he's a friend of the show. We'll We'll have him after three things. Uh, we're going to skip the book club for the rest of the summer uh, because it's too hot to read books. <laughs> and instead, we're going to do five on fantasy. We're just going to kind of ease in today. I think our fantasy football discussions have value in August. I think they cease to have value after. That's probably right. Yeah. Because they're good. The segment – like today's – what we talk about today – 
could really be listened to at any point. Mm-hmm. And it, it's got a somewhat of a replay value over the year where us talking about sleepers in week 15 is immediately dead almost yep. before we post it. Sure. So I don't know what we could talk about. During. And there's better podcasts for that. Yes, much better. So. so, But I do think there is value in this segment in general sometimes, especially in August. So we're going to get... We're going to try it again today, and we're going to, I think, do it for at least until the season starts and uh, see what we can add to people preparing for drafts. And then we'll have Brian Curtis on the show, uh, the editor-at-large from Grantland, his, or excuse me, at Ringer, formerly at Grantland, his first time on the podcast as a Ringer employee. Uh, we'll f- close with uh, one last thing, but let's do three things now. Let's play a game. All right. On three, one. Alrighty, I'll take it off. Two. The oil patterns on a PBA lane are very, very difficult. Three. I might be able to beat Jamarcus Russell at quarterback. <laughs> this is the funnest night ever. <laughs> Did we just become best friends? Yep. Now let's move on to other business. Well, it's August fourth today, and the date in my head has always been that the Olympics start on August fifth. So that means the Olympics are here. Yeah, and that's insane because, uh, I mean, obviously all the crazy news about the water and everything. That, so people are posting about it on Facebook. This gets around. And I recall like a couple days ago someone posting something. I'm like, yeah, and that's only like a few weeks away. And it's like, no, that's it's here. Yeah. What do you care? What What is your... I never do leading up, like, but I'm sure it'll be on. Like. It's in a good time slot. I guess it's one hour off of Eastern Standard Time. Okay. So it's basically the same time there as it is here for the whole Olympics. Yeah, so, it'll be on. Um, I'm definitely more of a Winter Olympics guy. I think, I mean, hockey helps that. But, I mean, the individual events, I think, are more more of a spectacle, maybe. Like, we don't see a lot of curling for four years. We don't see a lot of bobsledding for four like or, can you think of a thing that is your number one thing going summer? into this olympics this one specifically like a no thing? i don't have a story this one. i would say it's still michael phelps for me and it's okay, been the last right. few olympics sure it's, kind of it's his last well, one yeah. you know and i want to see how many more medals he can win when he's going to be in the pool i'll want to see that sure uh i'll want to see usain bolt i guess run mm-hmm. why not that seems interesting to me the women's gymnastics is always a draw. Women's gymnastics, yep. Yes, I, but if I had to... Supposedly write... that's a five-ish team race. Uh, women's gymnastics. Uh, basketball. Sure. Whatever. I guess it's just never competitive. Like That's the problem with basketball. you you got the stars that you get from hockey, but it's never competitive. So I'm not interested. I'm interested in NBC a little bit, too. I know that's nerdy, but I am interested in how it's covered. covered yeah. You know, Tariko is going to be on his first Olympics. Oh, he's great, too. So, so be it'll be interesting to see how he fits in. I love Costas. Hopefully nothing happens to his <laughs> eye. <laughs> Everyone's <laughs> all over that. That was the story, maybe, of the Winter Olympics. Yeah, and, and people are making a lot of, like, water oh, Bob Costas yeah. eye jokes. Like, <laughs> oh, imagine what the water's going to do to Bob Costas' eye. But, uh... I mentioned it last week on the podcast about the real sports thing, looking back at what a scam the Olympics are and how they ruin these countries that host them. Yeah. And uh, it's it's definitely ugly. I mean, it's like 
watching the NFL times 3,000, I feel like. Why? You do know you- there's like the dirtiness we always talk about in the NFL, the stuff you have to ignore as a fan of it? Oh, yeah. This is a million times that. Right, and why do, why do countries fall for it? Well, and I mentioned that last week, that I don't feel bad for Rio. They bought... They bought a bill of sale. They bought a bill of goods from the IOC that has proven to be bullshit for thirty years now. I mean, the IOC is selling the same thing over and over again, and yeah, finding a country to, to fall for that's it every what I time. Mean, it's weird. It's weird to think there's entire countries that are dumb enough. I One mean, thing they did say in the, you know, in the in the piece is that more and more countries are saying no. That Norway, who had hosted the Winter Olympics several times, is like, never again. Yeah. Um, Boston was, I mean, in force to make sure it didn't come there. Uh, why not just... Why not just find the cities? Because I'm sure there's... That already exists. Five or six cities in the world that make sense and move it around. Or just have... Like, Los Angeles right. is a great Olympic city. It's spread out. But it's big enough. The city could absorb it. Or just have a home site for the Olympics. Just have one place. Okay, the Summer Olympics are always in Athens or something like or that. Or two. Sure. Like two summer, two winter. Right. You know, alternate them. where it's just... But there's no reason to build all these stadiums in a different spot every four years and then just have them left there. It'll literally be never be Giant used. bird's nests. Right. But... Yeah, well, I guess I'll get into it. It'll give us something to talk about a little bit. And it will help, I think, with the, as I mentioned last week again, it's going to be a long NFL preseason. So, Yeah, it already is in a lot of ways. Yeah. And that's the second thing. I guess we'll just do this every week. We kind of did it. We kind of started it last week, just talking about the week that was in, in the NFL. and Talking about... You were talking about how we're going to do fantasy later. The one thing you always hate about preseason is you have your draft. That's why you have your draft as late as possible. But you worry about injury. Like, And you made the comment, who's going to have a stupid ACL injury in a meaningless game? And that's all you're watching for. Now it feels like the pre-preseason is what you have to look out for because of these players getting suspended. It's, it's, right, Dallas lost Colin Moore. He yeah. broke his ankle, which is a bad player to lose when Tony Romo is your starting quarterback. Because... He's been banged up. Sure. So they need to have something reliable there. And I thought that Nick Foles would make a lot of sense, but Nick Foles is signed with the Chiefs. Yep. Um, Navarro Bowman and Tyron Matthew got huge contract extensions. Yep. Matthew got his a couple days ago. Bowman got his today. It sounds like Case Keenum is going to be the Rams' starting quarterback to open the 2016 season. Okay. So that will be interesting to watch on Hard Knocks. But Hard Knocks has gotten some bum quarterback rooms the last couple of years, huh? <laughs> yeah. Last year they had the no starters, the Brian Hoyer and uh, Mallet, Mallet, yeah. epic QB battle. Yeah, and this just year, skipping practices and stuff because he's <laughs> th- surly. This year they have the Case Keenum show, I guess. Um, the president, I guess, freed Demarius Thomas's grandmother from prison. And I had to look at that twice because didn't he also free Damaris Thomas's mother from prison like a few years ago? I remember I like I saw the headline. And I'm like, wait a minute, didn't he already do that? 
I know. I remember reading an article. Yeah, a year after his mother. Marius Thomas's grandmother freed from prison a year after his mother. I remember reading an article. I can't remember what magazine um, about kind of Demarius Thomas and Eric Decker, kind of their kind of almost scrubs like bro love for each other. And I remember him saying his his goal is to play long enough so that his I thought mother could see him play, but it's also his grandmother. Yeah, I guess Minnie Pearl. Maybe it was his grandmother. I don't remember. Minnie Pearl, Thomas's mother. Minnie Pearl, that's the grandmother, and Thomas's mother, Katina Smith, were arrested in 1999. Pearl was given a life sentence without parole for conspiracy to distribute crack cocaine. She accused of running a small drug run out of an abandoned gas station. She got a life sentence for that, huh? Yeah. Wow. Despite never having done drugs, sold drugs, and without a prior criminal record... She received a mandatory 20-year sentence for keeping a small amount of money in her home for Pearl. Wow. They offered her a plea deal of just four years as she testified against her mother, but she refused. She got out last year, which is a huge difference from life in parole, I guess. She was at the Super Bowl. And then she wrote an article thanking him for granting the release. Was able to... Oh, Demarius Thomas wrote a letter. POTUS and was able to hand it to him in person at the White House. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I mean, whatever. Good good for them. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know nothing we, about it. We usually don't get into politics. No, I, I, but, don't, uh, I wasn't worried about the politics of it. I just right. was, I was like, Jesus. I didn't, real, I didn't realize the cases were connected until I opened that. Uh, what else is going on in the NFL this week? A lot of optimism. <laughs> Yeah. You know, I'll talk about sure. that in my one last thing. There's a lot of optimism right now, which is a good thing. Well, the Bills won the offseason, according to... Uh, it wrecks. <laughs> wrecks. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Oh, the Hall of Fame is this weekend. Okay. Which means that we have the a game. The fifth preseason game, yeah. Yeah. That's a good one, too. That's the one. Get, it, get to your TV for that one. It is the Packers are playing. Okay. Because Brett Favre is, like, the headliner, right? Is that how they decide it? I don't know that. I have no idea. It does seem. But. I thought the Bills played it when one of the big Bills went in, so maybe it does have something to do with it. I don't yeah, know. maybe uh, they play the Colts. I don't know if that matters. No, it's a put. It's a pick 'em. <laughs> if you want to bet it, you'd have to be a degenerate gambler to bet the Hall of Fame game. Brett Favre is going in the Hall of Fame. I said that a second ago, but do you? Is that a? Do you want to see that speech? Is that something you care about? Do you watch the Hall of Fame? I don't usually ceremony? watch them. Even when the Bills got inducted, I watched them kind of afterward. Uh, I don't it's know. a very long show to watch live. Yeah, he's if you're a, interested, I'd say DVR it and kind of speed through skim it. it. He's an interesting guy, so I'd be interested to hear what he has to say. All right, last thing today: the AP Top 25 preseason. Poll, one of the most useless yeah, you hate these. things in sports, was released today. So The problem is it has bearing, right? Don. Oh, boy. Let's start the clock. <laughs> I'm going to give you one minute, and let's see how many teams in the top ten you can name. Okay. Now, this isn't really like our baseball thing where we kind of tease you yeah. for... I mean, really, anyone could be in the preseason top 25, right? I mean, in theory. You'd have to so, know a little bit about people coming in and people going out. Maybe, but trust me, you'd, I wouldn't think too hard about it. Okay. All right, so go. Oregon, Alabama, 
That's Stanford, one. Stanford, Oklahoma, Two. three. Clemson, four. Uh, Florida, Florida State. I'm thinking all the big football schools. Ohio Five, State, six. Uh, uh, USC, no. UCLA, the University at Buffalo Bulls. <laughs> um, I'm probably missing some big yeah, teams. Yeah, big t- You're leaving some big ones on the table. Arkansas. Uh, Ar- uh, Louisville. Arguably the biggest college football program LSU. ever. Okay, that's seven. But oh, that's Notre not Dame. Eight. Uh, Another one with a really famous coach. Um, Grumpy guy. Always wears khakis. Mm. Just got a Nike endorsement. They play in a large stadium. Named after it being large. Also are good at hockey and basketball. It's located Boston? in... Boston? No. no. Uh, who am I forgetting about hockey-wise? You're out of time. It's Michigan. Oh, jeez. Alabama, Clemson, Oklahoma, Florida State, Ohio State, LSU, Stanford, Michigan, Notre Dame, and Tennessee is the top ten. So Michigan and Tennessee, I missed. Interesting thing I noticed the other day... Well, I never would have gotten to Tennessee. Yeah, they're a, they're a team on the rise. Uh, an interesting thing I noticed the other day, September 17th is a particularly amazing day for college football. What is it, like week two? Three. Three? Yeah, it's highlighted by number three Oklahoma versus number five Ohio State. It's always fun when your team's season is ruined the third weekend. Yeah. Uh, but there's a ton of games. I mean, it's all day. There's just games that are interesting. Great. I could probably bring it up. That's actually cool. I kind of sound effective. like I was ragging on that, but I think it's way more lame that your team, not your team, but someone's team plays scrubs for an entire Well, that's much harder camera. now because you got to make the playoffs. Okay, right. You know, and especially like if you're in the Big 12, like Oklahoma, you really can't just sit on a poor non-conference because there isn't a conference final. Okay. You know, so like Oklahoma's playing Houston, who I think is 13 in the poll today in the first game and playing Ohio State in one of their other of the three so of the three games they're playing two top 15 teams because they need those they Strike need the schedule they're going to get yeah. in the top four they need that yep but on the on that day you know I guess it's technically week four but there's barely no games week one um if you look at uh the schedule that day there's uh just a ton of really good shit uh, Michigan at Colorado, uh, LSU, Mississippi State, uh, Ohio State, Oklahoma, which I mentioned, USC, Stanford. Um, it goes on and on like that. Just a lot of uh, yeah, a lot of good matchups. So uh, that would be a good day. Notre Dame has a big game that day too. I don't know why this this uh, scoreboard on Yahoo is is terrible. It lists like thirteen games, including Tulane at Navy. Notre Dame must have to play a really difficult schedule then. Well, they have to be very no... they have to be very creative about right. it. Right. You know. And Notre Dame plays Michigan State that day. So okay. that's number 6 versus number 11 uh, on whatever poll this right. thing is linked to, which is probably just their own. But uh, that's your problem with the poll, right? Is it does have some bearing on Yeah, well the problem with the poll is like Alabama has a huge advantage by being number one right now because if they run the table, they'll never move from number one. Right, yeah. So if five teams went undefeated, Alabama could be the worst of the five, but they'll be number one because they started there. How would you suggest they do it? Just don't have the poll? Don't have one until October or something, okay. you know? 
or put the first one out. Yeah, put the first one out when conference play starts for the most part. Right. You know, Notre Dame plays Texas, Nevada at Texas, home versus Nevada, home versus Michigan State, home versus Duke at Syracuse at NC State versus Stanford versus Miami at Navy versus Army versus Virginia Tech and at USC. That's what good. Four or five. Pretty well. I mean, you don't schedule this last year, so it's hard to say what the okay. teams are going to be. Sure. But basically, they have a schedule with Texas, Michigan State, Stanford, Miami, and USC as like the top tier of their schedule. Then they have Virginia, Virginia Tech, State. NC State, yeah. Duke as the next tier, and then the bottom tier you got Army, Navy. Yeah, and it almost Nevada. feels like a NFL. Schedule. You're it's gonna a, play some weak teams. It's well done. Yeah, that's a well done schedule. All right, so that's it, right? Yeah, that's it. That's three. It's tough this point of the season. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll take a break and come back with Joe Buck. The person of Tino Martinez and the Diamondbacks are one out away from taking a three games to one lead in this 2001 World Series. Game five tomorrow night. One on, two out. Martinez hits one to deep right center field. At the wall. Tie game. All right, our next guest is from St. Louis, Missouri, and studied at Indiana before turning pro in sports broadcasting. In 1995, he was hired by Fox Sports, where he called, has called the World Series since 1996, and he's done four Super Bowls. Uh, he's also the host of a terrific interview show on DirecTV's audience network called Undeniable, and he's making a second appearance on the podcast today. A warm sportscaster's welcome to Joe Buck. How are you doing today, Joe? I'm doing great. Yeah, second. I think we should maybe turn this into a weekly thing, but I don't want to get pushy. Well, I'd probably have to pay you if it's weekly, right? And we, our, <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, no, and yeah, our budget. We, yeah, we can't, yeah, we can't afford it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, I, always, I always think about, I always wonder, like, when you watch, like, uh, like Mike Francesa and he'll have, like, some random Giants player that does the thing every week. Like that's got to just be the worst phone call they have to make when you you lose like forty six to eight, and you know Mike Francesa is pulling no punches the next day. You know? Yeah, but a lot of the times, not to burst the bubble, those guys are paid for those. Well, parents, yeah, so. I, I'm sure they're paid. Like I said, I'm sure if you were weekly, you'd have to pay you. But the bad news, like if even if I was paying you, there'd be some like there's like a level of respect, like a level I would never like like Mike. If it's Mike Francesa, I mean. I don't know. I subscribed to like the the Francesa podcast feed, and they had um, they had, on Sundays they put out a best of Mike and the Mag Dog clip every few years, and they had they were killing Mike Milbury the day after a trade deadline when he was still the GM of the Islanders. It's <laughs> just like, oh my god, they were ruthless. Yeah. Ruthless. Mad Dog asked me why he's still the GM. Why he doesn't think he was fired yet? Oh my God! Well, yeah, I could never do that. I could, I and I, it wouldn't take too long before I wasn't 
receiving calls like that, but I certainly couldn't be on the other end questioning somebody's abilities to do their job straight to their face. Uh, you know, I, I think we're all in a in a world where it's a lot easier to talk either on the air when that person's not there or on the phone when somebody's not on the phone line behind their back. But doing that stuff to their face just makes me cringe. I, I don't know how you do it. But but I'll say this. It, at least they do it to their face. And, and it's, you know, it, it tells me something. I, I just don't have that gene to, no, uh, to kind of come at somebody and, and question them like that. Yeah, I could not do it. It's it's like it's it's like the real life version of Twitter trolls, but I mean it's like you said, but it's like up front though. It's not hiding behind an egg. Yeah, I mean yeah. I guess it's in some ways it's it's more admirable, but again, I that even if I'm listening and I'm not involved or I don't care about you know, the Islanders trade deadline, I that that stuff it makes me uncomfortable the way it's a, it's the same thing as Watching somebody bomb as a comedian on a late night show, or I have to change the channel. I can't watch. It hurts. Yeah, somebody flailing around and knowing that it's just awkward for everybody involved, and that just to me is awkward at best, and sometimes uh, rude and uh, and really inappropriate uh, at its worst. And it's like Chris Russo would even admit he's not exactly a hockey, you know genius either and he's you know tell, i want mike miller here to answer it's kind of like well oh, i love chris i, I love chris, him too I, chris is, is different to me than than mike and chris is a guy that you know he'll give you trouble but you can also be loud and be giving him trouble right back and then you you kind of get on the same level and then it becomes a better conversation i think once you let somebody else have the upper hand and you don't challenge back I did a podcast, uh, I don't know, prior to the U.S. Open, so it was in early June. Uh, and it, I guess it was with Barstool, and, and people are yeah, my brother listening was to it. And I, it. My, my daughter's friends are all talking yeah. about it. And I, I didn't know much about it before I went on, but you know, I, I can either choose to be act like I'm offended at the line of questioning, or I can get in there and start swinging back and swinging away. And I think get a little bit of, uh, of the back and, and you can on, on a different level than you might if, if there's that kind of buffer zone in between the, the host and the guest. It's funny you mentioned that that appearance because I was just talking to my younger brother before I talked to you and I mentioned I was about to talk to you and he told me, he's like, yeah, he was on that Barstool podcast that I like and he said you killed on there. So I guess he thought it was good. Well, I, I think most people who don't know me see me on TV or hear me on a radio interview and, and think that, that I'm, you know, a stiff or they think of the Randy Moss, uh, touchdown celebration. And what I said to it, and they, they consider me like some prudish dork and, and that's just not who I am. But, uh, I don't really get a chance to show that side of my personality or what I'm about very often so when i do get the chance you know you still have to be careful i can't go on barstool or or any podcast and just say whatever the hell i want and just start firing off the cuff and being crude and you know that was kind of my issue with not to take this in nine different directions but the Artie lang appearance on hbo Mm -hmm. when when i had a show on hbo and it was live live i saw it live that night uh and, you know, I, I was sitting there, and in my mind, if you could have 
x-rayed my brain and it could have spit out what was going through my head the whole time i'm like i can either jump down in the pit with him and start throwing haymakers or trying to and by the way i'm going to lose that battle because Artie lang's way funnier than i am and i'll be the first to admit it (laughs) or i can stay back and just let it happen and uh it's probably the safer way i mean if if i take the bait I'm going to blow X number of years by that point in my career of building up who I was and what I represented on the air. And, and at some point I just had to kind of put up with it, which was fine. And, and that was always my issue with the fallout of that, uh, the way HBO handled it. Yeah, I was and, just gonna and it's say why that. Artie and I became friends and, uh, you know, we, we've remained friends to this day. Yeah, I was just going to say, I thought you handled it great. I was surprised what Prudes HBO ended up being about it. Like, they seem to be the ones that made it awkward. And, you know, you, Artie and you have uh, been together in so many dis- different capacities since that, you know, it's, yeah, it's really I, fun to listen to I you guys, was surprised, actually. I was surprised anybody wanted to be on the show. That's how I took it. And I, and I was flattered that Artie, who was a legitimate fan of my dad's and... I do believe liked what I was doing on the air that, that he wanted to come on and it is, it was live. I don't know what time we went on. Yeah, I think East. it was I 10. think it was nine, nine, yeah. nine would, or 10, yeah. whatever it was. And it's on HBO. And so, yeah, he said stuff that you don't typically see on yeah. a sports show, but oh, so what? I mean, yeah. if you book Artie Lang, or somebody in that vein, you, you have to expect that it's going to go in a, direction it doesn't typically go that was the whole point of of having him as a guest and you know i I was just it sounds like sour grapes whether you and i are talking about this the day after or x number of years after but i I just i wish that uh that we could have done it again and i wish that that hbo's reaction was a little more yeah it's a live show and this is what you're going to get and who knows what people will be talking about at the water cooler the next time we we have one of these live yeah. Joe Buck live shows. So, you know, you live and learn, and, and uh, the frustration dissipates over time. You mentioned your dad, and I've been thinking about him a lot lately uh, this year, probably because of it being the last year of Vin Scully. And I read the – I'm sure maybe you had the chance to read the piece that Tom Verducci did for SI about Vin – and um, I did, yeah, and yes. I and we got to talk to to uh, Mr. Verducci on here shortly after that, and it almost seems like he is, if not the last one of the last links to the era of broadcasters, the legendary broadcasters, sports broadcasters that included your dad, and um, and I wonder if you've been thinking about your dad a lot more this year the way I have. Because in the, for the same reason, just kind of thinking about his era and his voice and his style and uh, how it compares to Vin and, and kind of how that generation of broadcasters is kind of fading out a little bit and what their legacy has left to the new generation of broadcasters. Yeah, I, I think a lot about that stuff. I will be honest with you. My dad died in June of 2002, and I would say maybe a handful of days have come and gone since the day he died that I wasn't 
reminded of him in some very specific way. I mean, I think of him all the time anyway, but wherever I go, it seems like certainly when I'm in the Midwest, obviously when I'm in St. Louis, uh, I get stories about, you know, different ways that my dad interacted with either the person I'm talking to or somebody in their family. And he was just a nice guy. We treated people the right way. And it's, I think, why he identified with the Midwestern sensibility and why they loved him. He was a guy that grew up in Cleveland and then, well, first outside of uh, Boston in a small part of Massachusetts and then Cleveland, Ohio. But I think he, he died considering himself a St. Louisan because he was such a part of that uh, the fabric of that community. And so, yeah, I, I go around and I think about him and I'm reminded of him all the time. And it was just a different era. I agree with you. I think Vin Scully is the last of that great yeah. generation of broadcaster that really, when you heard the voice, it said, this is, this is something I want to sit down and listen to. And, and radio is, is way different than it was, you know, when Vin was starting out, my dad was starting out, radio was it. And you know, these guys are now, you know, Ernie Harwell, uh, my dad, Harry Carey, uh, uh, Bob Prince in Pittsburgh. Guys, these are Red Barber, Mel Allen. These, these are the, as, as important in baseball history in some regard as, as some of the great players. Uh, in the history of the game, but that generation will, I think, be over uh, when Vin hangs it up. It's why it's so emotional for people. I'm in the L.A. area right now as we talk, and you know, it, it is. This is a direct tie from grandparents to grandkids, and they they all grew up listening to Vin, and uh, it's it's a shame. Uh, you know, you, you think about, and Vin was kind of in his own category, but um. 50 times older than you are, but I remember a time when not every game was on TV, and when the Game of the Week showed up, I couldn't wait to yeah. see what Vin Scully and Joe Gargiola were going to talk about with regard to the Cardinals, the team I grew up cheering for, and uh, it, it was just a different time and a little bit more pure that way, and, and it's just a, it's almost like a completely different business here in 2016. Are you a little bummed like I am that he doesn't seem to want to take you up on your offer of, you know, doing an inning during the world series or anything like that. Yeah, I am because I am my dad's son and I, I wish my dad had been able to go out on the air, but he uh, was diagnosed with lung cancer, went into the hospital, caught an infection and never got out and was in the hospital for seven months and, and then passed away. And, and so for Vin, he's going out, you know, I, I still think with his fastball, with his A game, yeah. I get why he doesn't want to do it, but I think it'd just be great for baseball. In fact, I, I reached out to him two weeks ago through my golf director, Steve Byam, who's a good friend of mine, and, and I wanted to ask Vin something completely different than what he thought. And I said to Steve, ask Vin if it's okay if I call him. And he did, and Vin said, absolutely, I would love to talk to him as long as it's not about the playoffs or the World Series. <laughs> <laughs> and so he's he's dead set on not wanting to do it, and I get it. It's it's not his thing, you know. He, if if he were to sit in my chair there, which would be an honor for me, he's working with John Smoltz, who he's never worked with. He's listening to voices in his headset, our right. producer, our director that he doesn't work with, and it's he's he's not up for that kind of stuff at this point in his life. And I, I completely understand that. 
You know, I totally get it too. And I, when I was reading that article and thinking about that, I, I don't know if this is too. I don't think this is too morbid. But I was talking to my grandmother, and my grandfather, when he died, they didn't get him like a like a thing at the cemetery because it's just like not their thing. Like, and I was trying to explain to my grandma, like, yeah, but it's not really for you. It's like for us. It's for the people who are still living. It's not for grandma. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and this is a weird analogy to make, I guess, and it's even weirder when I'm saying it out loud, but I kind of wish I could say to Mr. Scully, like, I totally understand why you wouldn't want to do it, but, man, I wish you would because oh, it would be so great for everyone else or something. I don't know. It'd be unbelievable, you know, I but I, yeah. I think you have to you have to sit in his chair and you have to walk in his shoes. And yeah, and I, I can. Think you, I get you realize it. Yep. that he's, that guy's given his whole life literally yep. to broadcasting baseball and i think on some level he's had enough and if that's the end i think he wants to go out in his booth in his way not being a guest announcer and 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 for that i completely understand it for the rest of the world we all want it for him why would he now let me ask you this if this is possible you could probably know this better because i thought of this in my head if the dodgers made the world series would he be calling the games for the dodgers radio network i believe they've done that in the past um and you know the dodgers haven't won the whole thing since 1988 right uh, and they got close there with tory for a while uh in i guess it was 08 and 09 i believe uh they ran into the phillies and the phillies were stacked and great yep. and they couldn't get over that last hurdle so i don't know how their situation is set up but i can guarantee you that if the dodgers are in the world series uh they will make room for Vin Scully to, to have some time on the radio network that they have. I, I don't think there's any doubt. Right, and then my only question to you then is, technically, is it possible, if he's in the position where he's broadcasting the game anyway for the Dodgers radio network, that the TV side could like simulcast an inning of his broadcasters? Yeah, well, we did that. You know, I mean, I'm glad we did it. We did that with Harry Callis uh, when he was in those very years. Uh, right at the end of his career and at the end of his life, hmm. uh, dipped in and listened to him calling it for the Philadelphia Phillies and uh, put it on the network broadcast. So there's no doubt uh, that could happen. Uh, and, and I'm sure it's something that you know would have to get worked out at levels far above me, but it would be really cool in, in any way, shape, or form. Right, he might be you more. Know, into I might that just too. kidnap him and, and <laughs> lock him in the booth and say, "Just something's got to give here. It's about to start, so go." Uh, but I don't know. That that's worthwhile uh, thinking about. And the Dodgers are, you know, who knows? Yeah, maybe they're good enough to get there. Hopefully, Kershaw gets healthy. I guess uh, they would take that. I think yeah. you mentioned that 2009 World Series, which we were right across the street from each other. You were at Citizens Bank. I think it's called, in Philadelphia. And I was at the Spectrum watching Pearl Jam close the Spectrum. So we were right across the and, street there in 2000. And that was that was one of the biggest weeks of my life because I, that's when I was staying in the same hotel as Eddie Vedder and got off an elevator. Uh, Is that when you met? And slammed into him, basically, yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, I didn't want to bother him. He's just... He's like a crazy nut sports fan, yeah. And uh, and that's how it started. And, and we literally just started talking about our daughters, and 
I mentioned their new album on the air that next night, or the, maybe the night before, and he was appreciative of that. Somebody told him that. And then uh, we just kind of stayed a little bit connected over the years, and that's grown. But, uh, yeah, I, I remember that vividly. What a great way for the spectrum, spectrum to go out. Yeah. I've been to 80 shows, Joe. So, Oh, my God. Yeah, so I'm going to Fenway this weekend. Um, well, I, I know, you know, this this is in the category of name dropping and trying to act like a big shot, but uh, <laughs> I I did just uh, converse with him texting wise, and uh, he's he's pouring a lot into that Fenway show. Trust me, he has a tendency to go underground when the big shows are in front of him, mm-hmm. and he's been underground. And I I think he's looking at Fenway Park as I know I they've mean, wanted to do it. it out. They've wanted to do it for a long time, like when. You know, back when um, Theo was still there, because I know him and Theo are tight. Uh, and for whatever reason, it didn't work out till now. Uh, Theo well, actually it, got it him at Wrigley no before. It's coincidence that they're doing baseball stadiums. I mean, I know yeah. they've, they've done Wrigley. They're, do, they're doing Wrigley this summer, too, right? Or this fall? Yeah, yep. Yeah, it's the later in August, 2020, yeah. around that. So, I mean, he's just doing it because he gets to walk around a baseball stadium. And when they uh, when they do a sound check, uh, at any venue, they throw the baseball around, and he has guys on their crew that you know he brings in. And they just start firing baseballs around at each other, and I'm sure for him to get to do it at Fenway Park and or Wrigley, uh, that is a crazy cherry for him. Yeah, and uh, what was I? Th- I was just thinking about oh. You, it's funny you mentioned you met him at an elevator because I went in 2003. Uh, the one time I did get to see them in Seattle was at a benefit show they played at Ben Royal Hall. And I was in college at the time, and me and my buddy joked around and said, you know, when the tickets go on sale on Ticketmaster, we should just try to get them. You know, not with really any intention of getting them. And I got a pair on Ticketmaster.com in the 30 seconds before <laughs> they sold out. And I was like, well, I guess we got to go to Seattle. So we went there, and we were one of the first people in the building because – I was going to get – I wanted to get a poster that night because so I was like, oh, you know, it's a special show. And um, the poster ended up being like kind of a little over-the-top political bush once I passed. But anyway, so we're walking around and we're like looking for where we're supposed to go. And this place is in a co- – like in a – like in an or- where the orchestra plays at a college. It's a really newish and fancy. It's really different. We're kind of walking around looking. And it was some kind of benefit for something. And um, they were having a reception somewhere. And we walked into to the room and we're like, oh, well, we're probably not supposed to be here. So we walked out and we were in front of an elevator and I was kind of like looking at the elevator and kind of like squinting. And someone asked me if they could have my autograph and I thought that was weird. So I turned around to say, I don't think I'm who you think I am. And it turned out they were asking Eddie Vedder who was right next to me. Oh, my God. And I, yeah, I, I blew it. I didn't say anything to him. I just, I just looked at him. And he noticed I was staring at him and like kind of like acknowledged me with his eyes, like to say like hello. And I kind of I think acknowledged him back. And then the elevator opened and he got in. And I kept saying to myself, "You should get on the elevator. You should get on the elevator. You should get on the elevator." And then, <laughs> and then, the, door, you couldn't move. And then the door closed, and that was uh, that was it. So <laughs> well, I, I'm here to tell you, I've met, a, I've been fortunate enough just growing up, you know, around my dad to meet a lot of people in the public eye, and I, I can I can honestly tell you they. It doesn't matter who you are. The guy is literally one of the nicest people I've met, and that's 
that's why I've maintained a friendship with him because he's just, he's very down to earth. And I think he's, you know, he's obviously brilliantly talented, but, uh, but even a better guy. And that's, that's really why, you know, he and I have clicked. So yeah, and they have, I'm, I'm fortunate to call him a friend, but I, I can't overdo it and act like we're, you know, I'm over there surfing at his house in Hawaii or anything. But I'm sure you could. Well, I mean, or there could be a restraining order, and then he would, you know, have me removed. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's one of the things about being a fan of them that makes you feel good about it, is that's their reputation. You know, I was lucky enough to meet Mike McCready before a show, and we talked for 25 minutes about Crohn's disease together, because we both have it. And I don't know if we ever got around to talking about Pearl Jam, really. And it was just like talking to some other guy I might meet at, like, a Crohn's thing or something. Yeah, you know, and, well, that's that's good to hear. And uh, and I think that's why they've been able to stay together as long as they have, because, you know, they're all good dudes. And uh, I don't know Stone Gossard, but we have a mutual friend who tells me that he's the same way. So I... You know, I, 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 I like people who taste success and, you know, don't let it go to their head, but almost go the other way. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just good to see. And they're all like that. That was awesome. I got to compliment Fox and yourself in two, I think it was 2013 when the, was that when the Red Sox won the last world series? And it was kind of like, yeah, yeah it's kind of like a Pearl, Pearl Jam kind of was like the soundtrack to the world series. And the yeah, whole... I was stunned they did it, and I and I I you know the that has all changed. That end of network sports has changed. Where we did a Super Bowl years ago and did an Arcade Fire song to one of our pieces, and Arcade Fire heard it and hadn't given Fox the rights to the show to the right, they got so pissed or something, right? They pulled all that back. And, you know, then they had to start doing individual deals. Well, I was surprised that Pearl Jam said yes, and then I wasn't surprised because I, I know they like hearing their music set to sports highlights that are that are relevant and present and in the present time, and uh, they love that stuff. So I'm, I'm glad they embraced it. Well, the coolest thing about it is the whole World Series, I was telling everyone, I'm like, when they sign off at the end... I'm like, and they they do that when Joe is like giving his little last second recap, and they're showing the highlights. That kind of um, what's the song for the NCAA tournament? The, the yeah, the one shine one shine moment. moment. I'm like, they have to use Yellow Lead better for that because it's just it means the end in Pearl Jam world, you know. And I was like telling everyone and like hoping and. Fox, to their credit, nailed yep. it, and and it is yeah. Well, we have a guy after. Brian Biederman uh, in our truck who yeah. not only is is kind of in charge of a lot of that stuff, but also puts the pictures to it. I mean, when you can when you put the right slow mo pictures or emotional shots to to music, it's some of the most powerful visual images anywhere. I mean, you could put it up against any of the greatest movies of all time. It's really why, to me. Uh, Sports movies really have a hard time to the sports fan because they they almost can't match the the intensity of those moments. It's why I think the natural the movie The Natural to me is the best baseball movie. But then you see some of these other movies and the it just do, it doesn't work. And so when you when you have these real life moments that happen and in competition, and then you put it to great music, uh, it's it's strong. 
Huh. Yeah, the natural part of that was filmed in Buffalo, actually. Um, yeah, so, yeah, uh, that's right. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I'm, again, way older. I saw that in the uh, in the theater. But that that's just one of those, you know, when he hits the home run, it hits the lights and the the embers are coming out of the old-time lights like fireworks, and he's rounding the bases with blood on his jersey. I mean, that's about as yeah, strong cool. as it gets for me. The Sportscaster here with Joe Buck. He's at Buck on Twitter, and I said this last time. I'll say it again. Be nice to him on there. And if you're going to be mean, Joe, I wanted to mention this. Someone was shitting on you on Twitter because they didn't like how you were calling the British Open. You didn't even call the British Open. Right, yeah. I mean, I've I've gotten that before uh, (laughs) at a Yankees game. Somebody, my my Twitter feed blew up uh, because whoever was announcing, I don't even know who it was, Brenneman or Kenny Albert or somebody, uh, said, no, clearly the replay shows that the Yankee player was out at second base, and they're all over me. You suck, you (laughs) suck, you hate the Yankees. And I said, I'm not even doing the game. So uh, it's it kind of puts it all in perspective, and I get it. You know, it's kind of kill the messenger, and if, if somebody hits a big home run against your team, you're mad. And the, the easiest person to take it out on is the person yelling on TV uh, about the beauty of the other guy's home run. So it's just part of the job. And if and, and when it's not me, uh, they'll be taking their wax at the next guy or girl, and they're doing it, and uh, I'll be sitting on a beach somewhere. When it gets to this time of the year, do you start to get more excited about baseball playoffs coming up or football starting? Kind of both. I mean, I've, I've been in the baseball mode for a long time, and obviously coming off the All-Star game, uh, it's, that's the big part of the summer for me, uh, which is a month after the U.S. Open now. But I, I just sense a real excitement you know, around the country, again, obviously for the start of football, but even more this year. I don't know how this thing keeps growing, but just the 365-day-a-year coverage of the NFL is mind-blowing and then finally you know we're into training camp and now we're into preseason soon and it, it's not that long before we'll be there on september 11th doing the giants at the cowboys for week one and then you know we're we're all aiming at fox for super bowl 51 in houston at the end of the year so this is a big year for us and right. to answer your question i i think I'm I'm excited about what's in front of me, and what's in front of me before the baseball playoffs is opening day for the NFL, and then after a handful of weeks, now you start thinking about October and how that drama is going to unfold. So it's it's both, but right now it's it's pretty football heavy on my mind. You know, this year with baseball and getting used to a new booth with John Smoltz, I was wondering. What kind of sense do you get? You know, John Smoltz, I'm sure you guys have talked about this, whatever. He called the first World Series, or he pitched, started the first World Series game that you called for Fox. Um, and now this yeah, fall, yeah, yeah and now this, this fall, you guys will be together in the booth, and he'll be calling his first World Series game for Fox. And I wonder, do you think a guy like that gets nervous about that? Like, how do you gauge? Like, obviously, for so long, it was you and Tim McCarver, and there was that rhythm and then there was the three-man booth for a couple of years and it, there was good good and bad to it i didn't hate it as much as some people did i, I kind of liked it actually i like verducci a lot so um i enjoyed it oh yeah and now this year you, you transitioned up something different again um how, do you think john's i mean john smoltz has got to have an advantage over 
Joe Buck in 1996, right? And the, given the fact that like he pitched in a World Series game, like the moment isn't as big <laughs> for him somehow. What do you think about yeah, that? Yeah, I, no, I do. I, I think, you know, first of all, in 96, I was 27, scared out of my mind. Uh, yeah, I you know, worried about getting exposed about doing that World Series and got through it and it went well, um, thankfully. Uh, you know, if you do one of those, or you get the opportunity to do one of those and you blow it, you may not get another chance to, to get your name back or, or get that opportunity again. So it went well and uh, now here's John Smoltz X number of years later, uh, 20 years later, uh, ready to go in the booth. I, I personally have seen no nerves on him at all. I mean, this is a guy who's been standing out there in a game seven right. in the seventh inning uh, of a Braves-Twins World Series, yeah. and he's and been Morris. there. He's yeah. been in the arena. He's yeah. done it. And I... I you know, I, I tapped out in high school, so uh, he, he knows the ultimate competition, and he's prepared. I, I just will tell you that in the All-Star game that we just did, or even the first week we did in April, was in San Francisco, and, and it was just like another day, and we found a rhythm real fast, and two guys is just easier than three when you're one of the people in the booth. I can bounce stuff off him, he can bounce stuff off me. And it's easier to have a conversation that way. That said, I love being with Harold and Tom, but this is just different and back to kind of how it was with Tim, somebody whose uh, baseball knowledge is vast. And uh, it's it's been a really good transition here in 2016. And that, that Game 7 he pitched against, uh, against the Twins, that was on the famous Tomorrow Night. That's right. Yeah. That was uh, that was that was the actual tomorrow night. It was that was, that was played tomorrow night. Yeah, game six, yep. uh, and he started against Jack Morris, who Jack pitched Morris. arguably mm-hmm. the best game, and certainly for a game seven, I don't know how anybody could do any better than going ten innings. But uh, yeah, he's been there. He's experienced it. He learned from Bobby Cox. Had. Uh, I had Tony LaRusso at the end of his career. He he understands the game, and so it's my job to tap into all that he knows. The Braves left that game on the base path, though. They blew that game on the bad base running, and I think the seventh. Yeah, I think it was Lonnie Smith. Lonnie got Smith, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing. You're too young to know all that stuff. <laughs> I was eleven, I think. I watched that whole series every game. I, you know that the Braves, man, they left a lot of World Series out there. They left that one out there. You know that '96 World Series we're talking about. They win the first two games at Yankee Stadium. You know the first, yeah, yeah the they fir- go home and mm-hmm, they all go home and up fall and, apart. Uh, somehow, I just remember coming down out of the booth after Game Two, which they of the World them. Series at yeah. Yankee Stadium, and the Fox executives were like, "Oh my God, we're dead. This yep. is going to be a four-game sweep. Fox is going to lose all this money because they're you know you get advertising dollars for as many games as you get, and little did we know we'd be back." in New York at Yankee Stadium with the Yankees having a chance to uh, win four straight. They did. I think Jimmy Key started game six, and uh, that was the beginning of the great run with Torrey and Jeter and eventually Posada, who was splitting time with Girardi and Wetland and Rivera and Pettit and all those guys. Yeah, I played the highlight of the Tito Martinez home run in game four of 2001, and I, I, I love watching that clip because – as he's rounding the bases, they cut to a shot of Kurt Schilling sitting in the dugout, and the camera is shaking almost as 
because the whole building is obviously shaking. And it almost looks like the cameraman is jumping around in excitement as well because it's just shaking. Yeah, it's not. It's yeah, just, the it's place just is shaking so, so much. That, yeah. that booth would bounce when, when, when big stuff was happening. So yeah, I, it, was, it was a special place. I remember when that when he hit that home run, I was like, "Oh my god, this is Kirk Gibson again!" Like it just seemed like it came out of nowhere. Like there's just just seemed oh, that game just seemed over for some reason. That series seemed over. Yeah. That well, f- I mean, they they had how many of those? Brocious two in, two one. nights in a row. Brocious the next night. Tino and and Tino Peter and, Jeter, and Mr. Yep. November thing, and yep. they still lost. Still well, lost, lost in Game Seven. They're on the mound, mm-hmm. and I still think that they should have been in double. If they were in double play, there was one out, I think. And if they were, they had the infield in. If they were in double play depth, they. I guess they got to worry about the broken bat stuff. But I don't know. It just seems ugh, to lose on a ball barely gets out of the outfield. That's frustrating. But yeah, but it was thrilling. I yeah, mean, beginning yeah. to end, it was unbelievable. All right. Uh, again, it's, it's Joe Buck. He's at Buck on Twitter, and I'm talking too much and just about out of time. I'm excited. When does uh, the show come back, Joe? Undeniable. When do we get more episodes of that? Hey, I appreciate it. You cut out there right oh, at the end. Sorry, bud. That's okay. When does the show come back? show comes back on August 10th, and uh, then I'm shooting a new season uh, starting here at the end of the month. So August 10th, and the first one up is Brett Favre. And it was a three-hour conversation that got wow. cut or cut down into one hour. So I'm anxious to watch what made it and remember what didn't. But it, it's a good show, and he, he really was uh, he was terrific. Yeah, it's the undeniable. It's on the DirecTV's audience network. You can find that uh, on DirecTV. And the first season was fantastic. The second season starts August 10th. Uh, Jeff Perlman has a book about Brett Favre coming out in October. So that will be a good uh, preview to Jeff Perlman's book. And then um, we'll see you for the World Series and then uh, football. And then when does your book come out? Are we getting closer to that? Or My book is, uh, yeah, 15th of November after this uh, little election that we have coming up. So oh boy. I can't wait for the book to come out. Me too. I can't wait for the election to be over. Oh, my God. All right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's at Buck on Twitter. Be nice there. It's silly for me to make these plugs. You can find all this stuff. You know all this stuff. Um, thank you so much for doing this again. Hopefully we can get you back when the book is out and talk about the book. You got it. All right. time, man. All right. Thank you so much. All right, Steve. See ya. It's time for a new segment we've created called Five on Fantasy. With the first pick, Adrian Peterson, Drew Brees, Steven Jackson, Miles Austin, Leonet Ocho Cinco, TJ Pushmanzada. I once tricked my brother Greg into picking Roy Williams about nine rounds after he had actually been selected. (laughs) I don't care. I'm just trying to win me a fantasy football league. All right, another painfully outdated sportscasters (laughs) drop. Yeah, it was good for two two names there. I want to I want to thank Joe Buck for being on the show. Where do you think we? What were? I think we said. All right, we're gonna hit record and just say football players. Yes. Yep. We literally just didn't have a drop for it, and uh, we sat at a table and just shouted names into the and microphone. What's frustrating about it is I think we literally made that drop in 10 minutes, yet five years later we haven't set aside 10 minutes to do it again. You know what would have been nice, too, is if the uh, the program – we use Audacity, which is an open-source audio yeah. recording editing software, and uh, the original file would have been super easy 
Not that it's going to be difficult to fix this one either, but the original would have been really easy, and I, I know I don't have it. There's absolutely no reason for us not to replace this next week. No, right. We have to do it. Yep. So even if it's like different tough guy music or something, but you need to find everything that isn't our voices between now and next week for that. You have seven days. Oh, everything that's not our voices. So just a, a – yeah, I don't even know what I searched for for that song. Well, find it again. Okay. And then we'll do the same thing next week before we start, and then we'll put it together, and we'll have a new drop. It wouldn't have even been so bad if the beginning isn't uh, – it's time for a new segment. Yes. Because <laughs> now I, we have to replace that part, too. Because it'd be easy just to cut the names out of it. Yeah, no, that needs to be fixed. Anyway, uh, the plan is to kind of start from the beginning. The beginning of your decision to have a fantasy football league. And kind of build through the last gasp for drafts. So that means right now we're at the pre-fantasy league stage. And we've started new leagues recently. And I would ask you this first. If you were going to start a new fantasy football league tomorrow Mm -hmm. and it's your ideal way to play the game, you get a chance. Don't worry about who's going to be in it. Okay, You'll find the people to be in it. That will will fit in the. You don't have to worry about new players versus old players or catering for people. Okay. How would you want to do it right now? Um, I think having done both, I think minimally I want twelve players. If we're not talking about who, I think twelve team is ideal. Ten would be second. I wouldn't really be interested in any other number. Fourteen, maybe yeah. fourteen. Yeah, I think I'd go up to. I might have. I have twelve is my ideal. Fourteen might rank higher than ten for me. I think you just get too many good teams. Either that or you do deeper rosters or bigger I would say the problem with something. 10 is just that not too many teams make the playoffs, maybe. Okay, sure. If you got six making it, then. Right. Yeah. But, yeah, so I'd start with 12 teams. Uh, I don't know if you want to go into scoring, but I like. Would you do PPR or non-PPR? I do like. That's what I was going to go. I like right. PPR. What would be your ideal roster? I like. Starter, let's do starters. What would be your ideal starters? I like the way I have it now. Maybe we have one too many wide receivers. Uh I have one quarterback, two running backs, three wide receivers, a flex, a tight end. Uh, kickers in D I kind of avoid because I, I, I hate losing because a kicker puts up 15 points and mine puts up two or something. It's just yeah. there's, it's too random. I don't like I hate kickers in D. I would be real close to you. I would probably do one QB, two running backs, two wide receivers, one tight end, and two flex, no quarterbacks. Okay. So the same thing, but you can flex a running back instead. Right. Instead of having three receivers, I'd probably do two flex. Yeah, I'm okay with that too. Uh, And the reason – I didn't give a reason. The reason I like PPR is because a guy – I like kind of the scoring to show how important a guy is to his team too. And a guy like Wes Welker that maybe will have 10 catches but only 80 yards. I mean, I'm naming a guy that's old again and not in the league. But – Right. That's important. Like, Can't remember being in the league. That's more important to the team than it what shows fantasy wise. I, I mean, like it too because it brings more running backs to the table. More running backs sure. have value. Yep. Um it might be fun to even like fun wrinkle to give a guy credit for first downs or something. Like important plays like that. But I mean I don't I don't know if leagues would even allow it, but uh yeah, I like I like the 
PPR because I think it gives the guys some importance. Generally speaking, I like a non-complicated scoring system. I like something where you can see the player's stat line and be able to figure out how many points he has. Yeah, that's nice when you're watching at home. I don't like bonuses for yardage that much unless it's really simple. Yeah, I have them in my league, but they're very small. I'm not sure why I did it. I think maybe I just asked at the, when we started the league. Uh, I do like... Oh, I, I just lost my train of thought. I also... Oh, re- I like the simple scoring also for the point of cheat sheets come out before the draft, and you don't want to have to figure out, well, this guy's going to also... He has more 400-yard passing games, and this, like... You don't want to have to have weird scoring where the cheat sheet almost doesn't work anymore. Right. I also, where would you want to play this game? What uh, what outside site? Maybe rank them. I've always used ESPN. I think it's the like the prettiest and the nicest. Uh, NFL is the NFL might actually look nicer, but I've never liked their app as much as the ESPN app. And that's a big factor in 2016. It is now. Yeah. yeah. Um, I haven't used anything else. Some people like Yahoo. I've never used it. Uh, CBS is okay. Yes. Yeah, we have used Expensive. them in the past. But uh, then MFL. My, Which is probably the number one league. pay site. If you weren't going to do a free one, yes, I think if you were going to pay, you'd probably pay for MFL. The only problem I have with that one is it's, it's ugly, ugly yeah. and non-intuitive. Uh, if they could fix that, it's you can great. You can do literally anything. do anything. You can do anything, and if you can't, you can write to the guys and they'll help you out. We did a league where we experimented with all play, and then there was like a money ball game where it counted as two. Yeah, that was fun. I liked that a lot, and I think if I was ever going to start a league again, I'd probably want to do that. Yeah. You know what? I, I generally lean toward things that take out randomness, and that did that. And it just seemed to work really well. You did have a head-to-head opponent every week in the sense that you were playing for the extra win every week right? against your kind of featured opponent that week. Yeah, so anyone that doesn't get that, it means you're playing. Every your team. score is putting up against every team, and you play one team twice, essentially. So if you have right. the highest score, you're 10-0 and that week. Right. And um, what about other things you want to bring to the league? Rules? Uh I try really hard to have all my rules be black Accessories. And white. Yeah, uh, that stuff I wish there was more. Those of. kinds of things. I, I, that's the one thing I would say in the two leagues I run, I struggle to either get uh, participation with or anything that adds a wrinkle to the league that makes it a little less vanilla. I'm always looking forward to it. And actually, I always ask this. So, I mean, if anyone wants to email anything, let us know what makes your league a little bit different. Yeah, we'll go over them in a, in a week or two. We'll, we'll sure. start collecting them. I, I do, we, do, we do this every year, yep. and we'll start collecting them from various sources. But that's always fun to me. What This question in general, what do you like to do with your league that isn't normal? Whether it be a yeah. rule, an accessory, a stipulation, yep. all those kinds of things. Uh, I think one rule that I've always liked is home field advantage points for playoffs. Yep. Uh, giving a little bit of a point spread for Versus your playoff opponent. Makes the regular season worth something. Gives it a little bit of value. I like that. Yeah, that's the one thing I'll say is if you're going to start your own league, steal things from your other leagues. That's yeah. one of the things I stole from your leagues when we used to have the leagues together is I like that a lot too, so I implemented that. I like a I cash started. prize for winning the regular season. I never liked it in the past, but I've grown to like that just because there is a real 
It's so fantasy football. So there's random. a real randomness to the playoffs, and I like the idea of rewarding someone for winning over a sixteen or thirteen week period. Yeah, I always think of it as like the president's trophy. So yeah, they, I like that something. Uh, I also really am fond of an app called uh, Draft Night. It's seventeen bucks. It's fourteen ninety nine if you get it earlier. There's like you know a cutoff where it goes from fourteen ninety nine to seventeen ninety nine. Uh huh. And it's basically like what a draft board was in, say, 1999. The stickers. But it's an app that you can project onto a TV and also that has its own website that everyone can have it on their phones or on their laptops or on their tablets, and they can put their own picks into the board. Oh, that's cool. So like, what we, we use it in one of my leagues, and what we do is – so I'll use my laptop to project – the draft board onto, let's say, a 60-inch laptop or uh, television. What are you using, like Apple TV or? Uh, well, no, like I said, I used my laptop last time, and it went into the TV via HDMI. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, just date, we, I, have, I have an HDMI adapter to go from my computer sure. to uh, really easy. Uh, one one little accessory on Apple, 20 bucks, uh, which is I got good at with Anthony playing in the USHL and stuff, you know, because I always wanted to hook my TV up to. Oh right, right. So, uh, so we do that, and then everyone gets their own. the 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 app kind of generates a URL, and everyone gets their everyone goes to it, and you sign in as your team, and then when it's your turn to pick, you can make your pick, and it goes up on the board. That's cool. Just the same as like walking up there and putting a sticker up. Yeah, I. in the past, I've tried to do that. First of all, we usually do the draft in my basement. My basement TV is old. Like, I need to get a new TV for my living room so my living room TV becomes the basement TV. The thing is, is these t- TVs nowadays are so portable. Yeah. And you, you all you need is a plug for the TV. Right. You know, right. so any... And I actually have Chromecast, too, so I could I mean, cast it from my phone. Or you my and I could take easily. my biggest TV in this house and move it to anywhere in the house with almost no... Right. No... Uh, strain right we just each grab an end and move it hmm. so i mean i can move my tv to anywhere in my house in five minutes plug it in and have this app ready to go in five more minutes and i'm sure they they probably charge you for that every year for the update yeah well it's it's rosters. 17 bucks for a, a year but it's also good for like 10 different leagues oh okay and then um there's a like like I said, there's an early bird bonus, and and remember what we paid for those boards. Those boards are yeah, those easily are sixty to eighty bucks, yep. and you're paying. You're, if you have a twelve team league, talking about buying an eighteen team app, that's not eighteen dollar app. That's not even two bucks a person. I drafted for you in a league two or three years ago, and they were still using this. Yeah, that's the league where we don't we switch to the app. We saved sixty dollars, I think. Cool. So I think it was eighty dollars for that, and we went to something that's like twenty. Yeah. So it's like a sixty dollar savings. Uh. What's your favorite website or podcast to get information about fantasy football? Again, I probably use ESPN the most. I listen to NFL Network also. Um, I don't know how far we're going this week, but as far as uh, we're just about done. Okay, as far as I also use the ESPN cheat sheets. They're just kind of the, the prettiest ones, and they're kind of set up overall, but also by position. And uh, we talked. There used to be a site FF Today. It's probably still around. It's still there. Yeah. And they have nice tier they rankings. Have so nice what I'll thing. do is I kind of draw my own tiers on ESPN one, but then I'll listen to the ESPN podcast. That's the best. That's the number one seed, I think. Yeah, and then I'll also listen to the NFL podcast. And when I listen to them, I'll just—I mean, guys are going to talk about certain. CBS players. has a good one too. I'd recommend the CBS one. Oh, okay. It's solid. 
and as I listen to stuff, I'll listen to their justification for why they like or dislike a guy, and then I'll kind of highlight a guy in my draft sheet if I like him and if I agree with their reasoning. And- I think Matthew Barry is clearly the one seed. I think Fabiano is clearly the two seed. And then I think there's a pretty big gap where there's a lot of guys who are about the same to me. Matthew Barry's article, uh, the hundred things I know or something like that, I know I know, I think I know, something like that, he does it. He did it a month or two ago. He tells you right in the beginning of it, he is good at using facts to make you think the way he wants you to think. Like He's mm-hmm. putting a stat out there to convince you, like he thinks this guy's going to be good this year, here's the stat that tells you he's going to be good. I'm not going to give you a list of stats to tell you he's going to be bad. Um, so I like Barry as the personality. So if you're just saying from that perspective he's the best personality, I would agree. I think he tends to really – he tends to – for a guy that writes all about how football is a weekly game, pick the guys that are going to get you – like almost talks about being almost safe. He, I think, will put his – like he likes to put flags down on certain players and say things that are a little bit outrageous He sometimes. puts his ass out there, and when he's wrong, he owns it. Oh, sure. He you does. Know, so. But, yeah, I'm just I saying as far it. as advice goes, yeah. I'm not sure that he's my favorite, but he's really good. Some of the ESPN insider guys are really good, and that stinks because it's behind a paywall. But if you want to get into like in-depth reasoning of why they think a guy is going to be good, they got good articles on there. Last thing. Three options. Yeah. Redraft, keeper, or dynasty? I I think if you got the right people, dynasty is the best. I think dynasty is the best, too. We've only done my league for one year, and it was a slow start. And I still love it the best. I think the, I just love the idea of playing it all year. Yeah, that's on me I, kind of as a commissioner to try to make it a little more interactive and exciting and year-round and all that. I think we made some big steps at the draft this year. Yeah. I think. When you but. said don't worry about people, like that's one thing that – might matter, especially in a dynasty league. I was just looking to whip together a league fast. And I'm not mad that, that anybody's in the league, but it's not people that all know each other. So that first year was a little bit of a feeling out period. So if you're going to have a dynasty league, it's it might be a little more important that the people all know each other so they're comfortable uh, shit-talking each other and making trades and just being around each other year-round probably helps. And here's the last thing. So let's say you don't do a dynasty and you're either doing a redraft every year or a keeper league. How do you want to do the draft? Are you going to do a straight-up snake draft? Yeah. Are you going to go out and do an auction? Oh, I've always wanted to do an auction. I never have. I think auction is by far better. Yeah. The, there's two drawbacks. It's very long. Okay. It's not done quickly. So if you have a league where people are, for some reason, impatient for the one day they actually show up to something for fantasy football, which happens, probably not for you. <laughs> yeah. Um, and two, it is, I I guess harder, but it is much better. And uh, so I would favor that over redraft. So if I don't yeah, have to don't worry think... about those people, I'd probably be doing a. I don't think my current roster of owners in my redraft league would allow it because it's all different levels of skill like some of the guys that are i would say less skill have had some luck in a redraft league because it is so luck based and if you draft well the only thing i would say about that is you're really leaning on a clutch there when it's the seventh year of the league well sure if in seven years in the league you can't learn how to do an auction right you probably were like in the slow class at school. <laughs> yeah. It's not that complicated. No, it's not. You got a $100 bit, uh, budget or $200 budget. When it's your turn, you shout a guy's name out. 
and it goes on like that until you've established a price and it's awarded. How does that work that though? With uh, you, can you have guys for zero dollars? No. Well, you, it's a that's a league option. And the website manages most, that, or does most that get screwed up sometimes? People, well, it depends. Are you doing it live or are you doing yeah. it? Speaking of that, ESPN is a great online a website or a combination. I I've had drafts screwed up because last year I accidentally put the wrong. I put seven a.m. and not seven p.m. in, so all yeah. of a sudden we're all getting emails about how mm. our teams are filled out. And then you have to wait in line, like to get. It, it's not too bad on ESPN, but they have an offline draft app that's awesome. Like after I saw that and I kind of played with it, because that's how I put the teams back in. I'm gonna probably do that every year, just do it offline and then enter it. All right, that's it for today. Send in your rules, apps, anything you bring to the league that's different from the normal. You can do it yeah, on Twitter. The thing you hear whenever this question is asked is always like, "Oh, I had to wear a dress on a street corner and." hold a sign that said I'm the worst player in the league. Or right. So. I mean, that, that's not bad stuff, but I mean, we get that. Like we're looking for more things that are different, not necessarily just punishments. You can send them to us at sports underscore casters on Twitter at, at Donald like sports. You can email us to sportscasters at gmail.com. All right. We're going to take a break and come back with Brian Curtis. All the Oklahoma fans are in the end of the field. The Sooners are defending here in the second quarter. A big play comes, but the wrong way for Texas. Rocky Kalmus touchdown. Our next guest is from Fort Worth, Texas, and is a graduate of the University of Texas. He is the editor-at-large at TheRinger.com. He's making his sixth appearance on the podcast today. A warm sportscaster's welcome to our friend and Sooner fan, Brian Curtis. What's up, Brian? Sooner fan? Oh, wait. No. No. Texas fan. Texas fan. I was going to say. jeez. Oh, I feel like every other appearance I get like the positive Texas highlight, <laughs> and then uh, the opposite ones, you know, I get Roy Williams going over the top right, or yeah. something like that. Yeah. You know, some humiliating, humiliating Cotton Bowl uh, disaster. Yeah, that Rocky Kalmus touchdown. That was a beauty. That was in the... That was in the uh, Texas Massacre, as they call it, from 2000. It's really funny because I think that game has more crazy defensive touchdowns than you know almost any rivalry, right? Right. Yeah, well, Cl- uh, Quentin Griffin scored was... six touchdowns in this game, so that wasn't bad. That wasn't a bad game. Yeah, there was that too, yeah. <laughs> I remember thinking he was, a, he was a really mediocre running back going into that game, and then whoops. Yeah, well, <laughs> uh, Chris Sims and Major Applewhite threw pick sixes in this game, so... <laughs> That's kind of amazing. Yeah, I mean, like even in the '05 game, you know, like a Texas defensive tackle had a big run back when Rep Bomar got sacked and stuff like that. It just feels like there's a lot of weird defensive touchdowns. Maybe that's just me. And there's weird. Play- it's when you get a rivalry like that, and like we joke around or whatever. It's like I think Texas has won more, but I don't know that it matters. I think you can look at each fan could like pull out five ass whoopings, right? Easily, yeah, and easily. then and then each fan could pull out like. Five, you know, like five Roy Williams type things. You know, I'm sure there's a few for Texas or, and then there's like Texas has a way of beating Oklahoma in the worst of the Texas Oklahoma games. Like a few a few years ago, they just lulled the game to sleep. The Texas can be good at that. Max last game, yeah. Yeah. Oh, jeez, and um, but they were just like running for two and a half yards on every play, and they somehow won in kind of a blowout. Right, that was a weird, really weird game. Really weird one. Yeah, rivalries just like that, like that have played that long. It gets to a point where it's a tie somehow. The winner is just (laughs) the rivalry. 
like the rivalry exactly. is the winner every year, just the fact that they play every year and you know, and they play in a stadium that's half orange and half you know, crimson and I think that becomes the real winner. You know, I think it's like Ohio State and Michigan, I mean. Same thing. If yeah. we talk about that, we'd pick out five games where Ohio State won and the opposite and each team has a coach that got fired because they couldn't beat the other team. <laughs> or several. Yeah. yeah, or several, exactly. But anyway, uh, it's been a while because you have been putting in the work at TheRinger.com. Um, the last time we talked to you, it was on the DL still, I think. You were just about to make the announcement. It was just a little bit before. Um, and then, yeah, yeah. And here we are. We have a real website now. And now you have a website, Believe it? A living breathing website. And you stole the show on the launch. You had the best piece on the launch. I think it was the launch. Your your Joe Buck piece was part of the launch. You yeah yeah it you, was part of the launch. Yeah, first day. Yep, you stole the show at that. I thought I thought that was the best piece of the launch. You're very day. nice to say that. Yeah, and um, tons of good stuff. Yeah, here's what I want to ask you though. Why didn't Bill Simmons make a basketball site? <laughs> I don't know. Did he get spooked by the the vertical? Like it worked so well for Peter King. And it seemed like it would like it seems like that's where his heart is. That he wants to be writing about, reading, talking about. I mean, on his TV show, he has Aaron Rodgers on in the first 8 minutes. He's asking Aaron Rodgers about basketball. <laughs> You know, I don't know. I mean, it's a question you have to ask Bill. Well, I'm, really glad to, he, but... I'm really glad he didn't, by the way, because I, I, like I like a general interest site. Yeah. That's what I want to write for. Yeah. No, I just, I just, like, I'm a huge fan of Bill Simmons. Like, I'm a huge fan. I have his books, and I followed his career from the beginning, you know. I was the perfect age to be a big Bill Simmons fan. And um, I just, I'm not a big NBA fan, so sometimes I get bummed out that, he wants to talk about that so much, you know? And um, I've enjoyed the TV show so far. I mean, I like it. I just like it a little bit more when he's talking to Aaron Rodgers about football. And, you know, like tonight, J.J. Reddick's on. It will make a lot of sense to talk to J.J. Reddick about basketball tonight. It won't throw me off, you know? But I don't know. Yeah. I mean, every interaction with him I've had about him is just he's just interested. Bill's just interested in everything. Mm-hmm. And it's not, it's not even just across sports. It's just kind of across everything. I don't know if I've ever had a boss I've had more conversations about more different things with. You know, and that's just the way his mind works. He's just, he's interested in whatever, whatever's going on, you know, whether it's on TV or in sports or whatever. Right, and I think that's my point, is he is like that, and he does get passionate about all those things, and that's why it bums me out a little bit when he gets so NBA-moded. You know, because I want to hear all the other bills. But what do you think the site is doing well so far? Like, what do you, when you think about, the site. What do you guys, What do you think you guys are just killing so far? Well, I don't know if I, I don't know if I beat my chest and say that we're killing anything, you know. And that's just because I just you know we're we're all still trying to figure it out, you know. I think when you do a site like this, it's just the first couple months are you just trying to make everything work, put everything together, and you know just just try to just try to make the trains run on time and all that stuff. And I think um, you know. I I'm amazed when I read all my colleagues how good they are. I'm just amazed how good or great everybody is. I knew that, and then you read every single piece. Our pal David Shoemaker, uh, Shea Serrano, uh, you know Danny Chow. I mean, it's like I just read so many of these guys, and I'm just 
and uh, our two NFL writers, Robert Mays and Kevin Clark. Yeah, Robert was on. He was great. I just love, I mean, I just, I'm just always, I mean, you get so kind of wrapped up in your own work that you don't, you kind of don't realize what, how, you know, what you don't really think about what everybody else is doing. And all of a sudden these pieces appear on the site and you're like, oh, wow, that is awesome. You know, mm-hmm. that was great. That was an amazing feat of reporting and that was just an amazing piece of writing. And um, so that's really the thing. I mean, it's just really a simple thing. Well, could I? Ask and, you know, question? I don't know that you can. I don't know that you can ever judge anything for. I always, you know, whenever these, whenever new sites come out, and I, I, I observe this for every site, not just our, <laughs> just the one I'm working for. Whenever they start, I always think, I'm just going to give it some time. You know, yeah. I'm not going to judge it by day one. I'm not going to judge it by month one. And, and for a website, really, it's even year one. You know, I mean, it's just kind of like you really have to let these things get lived in because I've been around for the creation of a few of them, and. You know, it's. I know just being on the inside that you're not. You know, you're you're just doing the best you can to get it out and think big picture and all that kind of stuff. And you're not, you know, you're not even really you're not, you're not in legacy mode. You know, at first, and that and you and then you see what works and what doesn't, and then you kind of try to shape things. Well, here's what I would have said if I would have answered. People always ask, like I I'm an Apple phone guy. You know, I've had one since the first one. I've had just about all of them. I think I've had eight of the nine or uh, seven of the eight. Anyway, the reason I'd never switch is because my phone works so good with my laptop and with my Apple TV and my iPad. And the Ringer is an example of this. The Ringer works so good with the Ringer podcasts and the stuff that's happening on TV. Like all the different parts of the Bill Simmons empire are really meshing really well together. Like that's what I've loved. You know, you you download a podcast and the football writer is on the podcast that's talking about the Bachelorette or something that week. <laughs> you know, like it's and it's just it doesn't sound like it would work, but it's working. The integration of the employees of the different legs of the bigger picture, I think, are meshing really well together. That's very nice of you to say, and I think that's like one of the funny things about the group is that everybody has so many different talents, you know? Yeah. And it's just like, that's the other thing that's like really surprising is you're in the office and everybody kind of follows everything, you know? Like they just know about everything. And, and you know, yeah, you can throw somebody, even even little old me, onto a Bachelorette podcast and, you know, just go with it, right? It's just like, okay, let's do this, you know? And tomorrow let's do summer movies and tomorrow let's, uh, go back to the NFL beat, and it's really, really fun. That's just like that's too, just like the excitement, the the fun part about it. It's the ringer specifically, but also just working on the web. Is you don't feel as categorized, you know, and you can kind of roam across different subjects, and you don't have to worry about you don't have to worry about being pigeonholed into one thing all the time. Have you enjoyed making your podcast? Because I've enjoyed listening to it. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah I have. Um, it's very new for me. Um, it's, it's still, I would also put it firmly in the work in progress camp, but, uh, I really, I've really, really enjoyed it. And it's just been fun to do something different, you know, to do kind of a reported podcast, uh, to just do, do a different format, to call a bunch of people. I mean, essentially for me, it's a, it's a lot like writing a story. It's really the same. It's, I almost do the exact same thing. I call a bunch of people, I tease out a topic, I ask them a bunch of questions, and then I kind of write a big script put all their sort of quotes and quotations into it and thoughts into it, and then, you know, it becomes a podcast. My and that's sort of like, that's just sort of like, you know, it's the same, it's really the same process. Every time I go, boy, that was really hard. It was just as hard as writing a piece. And <laughs> it turns out it's just exactly the same thing. This is going to sound kind of kiss-assy, but 
my only criticism would be that they're always too short. I always want <laughs> it to be a little bit longer, especially the, the last one. Uh, what was the last yeah. one about? The last, the last one? one, I think I did a Vince Scully one. The Vince Scully one. one, yeah. I wanted, you know, like there's like, I just knew you had more, like especially from the guests that were on. You know, like each guest that was put through, it's like, oh, I know he had more than that 30 seconds with them. I'd like to hear three minutes from that person or something. Yeah. So here's the thing is I'm in the I'm in the camp for short podcasts. Yeah. Um, yeah. I need it I just, need it to be an hour. I need everything to be at least an hour. <laughs> I don't. I just right, got to the point. Salty. Maybe it's because there are too many good podcasts in my life, present company included. That I just if it's if it's any if it's too long, I don't want to be I don't want to be one of the people that's clogging up the feed. You know, I want to be short, get out of there. Yeah, and, I feel uh, like let you go on with your day. Young kids ruin us. Like, you know, all the night shows now, like the late night shows, they don't they don't even care that they make an hour show anymore. They just want to make a five minute clip they can put on the internet. <laughs> right. Right. You know, so now all those shows suck, really, except for the five-minute clip on the internet. And it's like, I don't know. I don't know why that's happening. And I don't want that to happen to podcasts. I think that the beauty of the podcast is that there was no restriction in time. And they can be as long or or as short, I suppose, as as you would want them to be. But I agree. And uh, also that they're not just crazily interrupted by yes, you know, bullshit. segments yeah. on sports radio. And I know you're a sports radio fan, too. It's like yeah. they just... It's just unlistenable at this point to a large extent, you know? If you don't catch the first segment in the hour, you might as well forget it because it seems like that's the only one where they go long enough to get any flow. Yeah, everything. As soon as something gets interesting, they cut it off, you know? Mm -hmm. And then also you have all these, I wrote about this a little bit last year, but they have all these bells and whistles that are like, you know, every 20 minutes they're telling you all the news that you already read off your phone and news that's not even really relevant to whatever locale you're in, right? Mm-hmm. So if I'm in Dallas, you know, they're telling me that some guy from the Bills, uh, I remember this last year with, uh, with Marcel Darius, remember when he flunked a drug test last year? Did he oh, miss yeah. like four games? Yes, he did. Yeah. He, uh, he uh, sorry to bring up bad memories. No, I'm not a he, Bills um, fan, so that's fine. He, <laughs> but they're like, Marcel Darius was running on every update for like the whole day. And I'm like, well, you know, that's kind of of minor interest to me. And those updates are so dated. We don't need There's those a, anymore. Yeah, we do not need like that four, every 20 Four minutes. hours later, do I really, I mean, yeah. some guy, some defensive tackle for the Bills, even a guy who's like fairly high profile like that, like, it just doesn't really affect my life at all. And, you know, that and bad sound that they get out of locker rooms, you know, uh-huh. like they pick one cliche and run it for five seconds at the quarterback that Tony Romo said after the game. It's just weird. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, you know something else I like about this site? I just thought about that. Not the smoothest transition, but uh, I like that that you tell me how long it's going to take me to read it. But then (laughs) I look at it as sort of like a challenge, and I feel stupid if if it takes me longer. Oh, that's good. You know, like, it's like, oh, that was only to take 12 minutes. It took me 15. Like, maybe I'm not a good reader. I need to. It's like that old uh, words per minute we used to have in the typing class. Yeah, yeah. Beat the. Turn it Gotta into beat a, the number. Turn it into a challenge for me. <laughs> I like that. Uh, what else about being? What does it mean to be the editor at large? That's technically what you do there, right? It's a great, it's a great mysterious title, isn't it? Yeah. What does that mean? Um, it means essentially in this case that it's like a really actually old magazine title going back to the at least the Time Empire back when Time was an imp- more of an empire than they are now. Um, but it but it basically means you. In my case, it you're a writer full time, but then you also provide a lot of you know editorial input in sit in meetings and talk about the way the site's going to go and that kind of stuff. And 
I'm there when our editor, Sean Fennessy, needs something, you know, and, and to, to help him with stuff and help anybody there, uh, whether it's to look at a piece, whether it's to talk about strategy, all that kind of stuff. So I'm just kind of a, just kind of a sounding board. How do you think The Ringer is different from Grantland so far, or the same? It's a really good question. I mean, I think we're a lot faster in a lot of ways than we were grilling. Um, you know, it's just it's just totally different not to be tied to a big entity like ESPN. And I just don't I don't mean that in some way of like editorial interference. I just mean like, you know, you turn on ESPN.com and there's a lot of things that were just already happening no matter what we did, you know. Mm-hmm. Now we have our own site. And so whatever happens on the ringer is going to be what, what we want and what we decide to, to spend our things on. But I think, you know, we're a little more quicker, more nimble on purpose. Um, but again, it's just sort of like one of those things, like I think it's sort of still evolving, you know? It just feels really, really early to try to, to try to pin it down too much. We were talking off air a little bit about politics and the site covering it. Do you feel like that's short-term to kind of jump on the wave of this kind of bizarre election? Or do you think it's a long-term goal of the site to be political? I don't know the I don't know the long term answer at all. I just know in the short term it was like I really wanted to do it because it was the most interesting sporting event in the country for the last two weeks. And I think like you know, and it, it's really funny. Like as you know, I write a lot about the sports media, and I love doing that. But you know, at a certain moment, certain moments like that, you think, well, everybody in the world is watching this. What did it have? Thirty million viewers for the two Thursday nights. Mm-hmm. And you know, and then there's a lot of excitement in those rooms, and to, to be able to go to those places, uh, to Philly and Cleveland and to be in those arenas is just it's just incredibly fun. You know, and it's, it's, and it's just I mean it's just the energy in there, you know, whether or not I agree with what's being said from the stage all the time, it's just it's just amazing. It's really, really fun. It's kind of like my lifelong dream to go to a Republican convention. And this one was three hours from my house and there was just no chance. It was so like <laughs> deflating. And the, the Olympics, the Olympics starts in a few days, or starting. But I, I, mean, I don't know. The, the opening there, thing right? is the fifth, but I think there's like a game tonight. I don't know. I'm just praying that somehow it just takes the focus off a little bit. That we just, I don't know. I can't. I don't know if I can take it till November. Just, I think it will be. I think you know. The, apparently, the campaign's really preparing for this. But as soon as the Olympics started, the rate of the out a bit. The, yeah, America would kind of tune out a little bit. I you hope know? so. I hope so. I just can't. It's just too intense right now, and it's. I mean, the conventions just happened, and uh, yeah, I mean, I we're know. in this furious moment of news right yeah. for the last week, yeah. or actually two weeks, two and a half weeks. But I think, um, you know, it's funny. I mean, the other funny thing, dude, is that like you know there was a there was a theory about this that this wouldn't be a really interesting election, right? Right. This this election would be kind of a grind, kind of more like... Another Bush versus Clinton. Y- yeah. That was just, the perception yeah, exactly. a year ago, right? That. Oh, it's going to be well, a Bush and a Clinton again? Great. Yeah, or kind of like 2000, which was an election I remember was my first one, you know, when I was a working journalist, and I just remember everybody being really bored and beaten down by that at a certain point. Yeah, you know? until it didn't right. end, right? Until the very last second when they're the yeah, final winner. Yeah. Night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I think like I I think I, I would have probably predicted this one would have been a lot like that. Right. And that we would have just been all kind of tuned out. And instead, we're it's like fate of the world stuff, you know, and we're all in this just unbelievable, um, you know, state of attention 
and everything like that. So I, you know, again, for me, it's just like to not be a, if, to to turn down an opportunity to be a part of that in some way. Uh, it was just to me, it was crazy because I just I just love doing it. And just I as, want to be there as a reader and like someone who's rooting for the Ringer. I don't want politics to do to the Ringer what it did to Rolling Stone. You know, like politics is is ruined Rolling Stone. I like. Rolling Stone is so anxious all the time to prove how liberal they are and how awful anything that isn't liberal is that they don't. I don't even think they take any time. Do they even write? Is it music still? It's like MTV. Like they don't have videos anymore. Does Rolling Stone have video? Like does it have music in there? I have no idea. <laughs> you know what the thing is though. But it's like, and I'm not saying it's about the Ringer because, like I said, I have no idea what the what the future holds. But the you know I knew I sensed this when I went to the Daily when I went to the Daily Beast in 2008. The world has just changed in a way, you know, and and part of it may be as you say this kind of liberalism that these publications are trying to wear on their sleeve. But the other thing is just that I remember Tina Brown, who was the editor of the Daily Beast, and in another lifetime, media lifetime, Tina had been criticized for being too frivolous and to you know not wanting to you know what know what was going on with Ben Affleck, right? Right, and suddenly in 2008, like all she cared about was politics and world events, and it was kind of like the whole, you know, and every, you know, John Stewart, right, was the kind of show everybody's watching all of a sudden. So the late night shows that you mentioned, and it's sort of like everybody just reorienting themselves toward politics. And I feel like that hasn't really ever changed, hasn't come out of that, you know, since probably I would say the early to mid 2000s, that the media has just been in that in that mode. And if you don't like, if you don't want to mix your two things together, it sucks. Yeah, well, but I just think really, just it's it's funny. It's just like a media wide thing. Everybody's kind of been in, reoriented in that direction. The problem is, is that the media is covering like sports, and they can't resist but root for their teams. And it, <laughs> you know, whether it's Fox who can't help but root for the red team, or it's, you know, MSNBC who just can't help but root for the blue team and it just it's became so divisive it's just like i don't know it's just not what i i think it shifted like in the the second bush election 2004 i think yeah. when it just got so it changed somehow and we don't respect nobody respects the other side at all anymore um no. and um Nobody respected Bush that second term. People said awful things about him. No one has respected. No one on the right has respected Obama at all. Awful, right. an awful display of respect for the president. I thought the last eight years, um, he is not my all-time favorite president, but he's nowhere near as bad as any Republican would ever say. It's wrong. It's a lie. He hasn't been a terrible president. He's been fine, um, and he's likable. I, I, I've, I've had a hard time ever disliking him. He's likable. I thought Bush was likable as a man too, and I, I could see why people wouldn't like him. Like I, could, I seen his failures, but I didn't see why his failures led to disrespect, and I don't see it for Obama either. And it's just going to continue no matter who wins this time. There's going to be a huge amount of disrespect towards Hillary, or there will be a enormous amount of disrespect uh, towards Donald Trump. <laughs> Maybe he'll earn it a little bit more than the other than the previous uh, presidents did, but. Uh, yeah, that's the, that's the depressing part about this, right? Yeah. Because you just think, like, we could... It's one thing to have an incredibly divisive election and weather the storm for another couple months. It's another thing to think, on November 9th, everyone will be just as angry. You know, right, there's no winning. Like we're on there's November no 8th, right? Yeah. yeah, there's no winning. And we're just like, we slide into X number of years more. 
Oh God! It's like it's amazing. the it's like the country turned into New York City, and every election is another subway series. And no matter what, when it ends, <laughs> half the city is pissed. That's good. Yeah, except yeah. it would just have to be the subway series every year, right? Not just the one-off. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah, oh, I have to get back every year. Yeah, that's good. That's a good metaphor. The sportscaster here with Brian Curtis, who is now at Brian Curtis on Twitter. No longer Cur- Curtis Beast, although that was cooler. Oh, thank you. Yeah, we went. We went to the. I went. To, I went for the for the full name. Yeah, no, Curtis Beast was cooler. But I mean, I I see what you did. There. I get it. I get why. People it. liked it because I had a picture of a dinosaur yeah. next to it, and I didn't have the heart to tell them that I got it because I was at the Daily Beast. <laughs> and uh, so for me, it, it didn't mean like a you know growling uh, dinosaur in Jurassic Park. It meant like a, a a media company I abandoned many years ago. So I was <laughs> kind of ready to move on. How are you adjusting to the West Coast? It's great. Yeah, love the first of all early sports. Amazing. Yeah. I don't know how much you've taken advantage of that when you've been out here? But it's um, uh, yeah, I hate it because I hate the morning. But oh yeah, I mean it's See, I'm not I a have kids. Guy. I, have, yeah. I have kids, so it doesn't matter if I hate the morning. I confront the morning in any case. Yeah, I have a kid, and so but the I don't 10 a.m. NFL starts pretty insane. Yeah, and the um in college football it's like a 9 a.m. start. You know. Yeah. So you just kind of wake up and stuff is on, and also you just you know. Sunday night football ends at like eight thirty, nine maybe. So you just you're kind of just done with your day, you know, at a very reasonable hour. It's just yeah. it's like the what's what's weird about managing is like sports are on during dinner time and stuff like that, you know, just like the game is like fully on at five thirty. Then you're out at the grill with a steak, and it's like yeah, yeah. yeah I need to I need to get the outdoor TV rolling so I can uh, figure that out how to figure that manage that. But yeah, I mean it's. I really enjoyed it. I love. I feel like I'm uh, as a Texan. I was already a Western person, nah. so this was kind of like a not quite a homecoming, but a sort of homecoming. I was in Los Angeles last uh, two years ago, and yeah, I just wouldn't wouldn't be able to do it. I don't think I didn't dislike. I don't dislike uh, California or Los Angeles, but I am just too too East Coast. I would die. Yeah. I would. I couldn't handle the heat all year long. I just couldn't. <laughs> You'd miss the snow drifts? I mean, I don't love snow drifts either, but I don't like the heat. Yeah. And, you know, and when that's your only choice, I, you know, like, I enjoy the seasons, I guess, you know. And, yeah. And the extremes of any of the seasons aren't enjoyable. When it's there's eight feet of snow and it's minus two, that sucks. But it also sucks when it's 98 and 100% humidity for a week straight. Right. We live pretty close to the ocean, so there's not a lot of 98 and 100% humidity. Oh, it's been bad this year in California, right? Yeah, well, not yeah, generally, but not where we were, which is really nice. So there's not a lot of there's not a lot of high, you know, triple. There's not a lot of triple digits and a lot of you know that. I mean, there is a total lack of seasons, which I got to say is really weird. It almost it's almost always so nice outside you don't ever want to work. You know, just looking outside, being like, oh man. How can I work on a beautiful day like this? And you forget that the next three weeks will all look exactly the same way. Are you having fun working with the masked man? It's been it's been amazing. It's been a dream come true, you know, because we never we never worked together. Right. The last time we were in the same uh, space all day High was school. probably like uh, 1996 when we were in uh, you know in our English class together. Right. I just remembered this the other day for some reason. We were in like this is British literature class in high school, I think it was sophomore year, and we were looking through the textbook, and it's some poem that was written in the, you know, fill-in-the-blank 15th century or something by a monk or something like that, and the guy had a, 
the guy that had his picture in the textbook and the author of this poem, and he had like a red beard that looked exactly like Jim the Anvil Neidhart. Mm. So David sitting across the room, and I remember he looks at me and grabs on his beard just like Jim Neidhart used to do. You know, yes, of course, I yes. immediately got the joke just yes. dissolved into laughter and probably got in trouble. Uh, but yeah, that was that was the nature of it. And that's pretty much the nature of what we're like at the ringer too. My wife doesn't really enjoy professional wrestling, but she does enjoy the Divas show on um, E. <laughs> so we'll watch it together, and it's you know a pretty brutal, mostly stage show. But I do absolutely love when the Anvil is on because his yeah. daughter is one of the main characters, and he'll 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 just like come over to see the cats, you know. And he's definitely let himself go over the years. He's not in ring shape. You know, and he just, oh, he's so funny. He's such a character. He's so funny. He cracks me <laughs> off the anvil. So, all right, oh, last boy. thing, we'll end on this. We do this every, well, a couple times a year. So when we do it next time, uh, what will what will you want the ringer to be at that point? That's a good question. I mean, uh, you know, I think... Not the ringer to be. I mean, I guess I get the best way to answer is what I, what I want myself to be. You know, I mean, I think I'd want to probably have done I think a lot more profiles and to do, you know, to have kind of a, I don't know. It's 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 fun. it's just a hard it's such a hard question to answer because I always think I always try to do this about every six months. I try to sit down and, and um, write down what I want to do and what my what I should be big picture goals are, and then whatever happens in life always goes a completely different direction. So I think if I tell you something, I'll fail the test. So why don't we can we can we do it next time? Why don't we? Uh, why don't I grade myself on a on a totally imaginary uh, scale, the, myself and us, and we'll uh, we'll go from there. <laughs> the Cowboys fan piece better have been run by then. Oh my God, that's like that's like three years in the making. That better be up by then. I don't want to hear the that. people I interviewed have died since that uh, since that story was conceived. Well, that's all right. Cut them out and find a new fan. There's plenty of Cowboys fans. Well, no, we just won't have to fact check because they're dead. <laughs> right, yeah, they can't. They can't call you on anything. <laughs> yeah, right. No, but I think, um, yeah. And by the way, now I'm close to Cowboys training camp out here in LA. Yeah, and um, I'm just very excited. I'm just very interested to see how this season goes. Yeah, that and gotta be excited. And that about will be an absolute mass checkout of Cowboy fans if it's as mediocre as all of us think it's going to be. You think it's going to be mediocre? I mean. I think it'll be exciting. I just, I think their their defense is really. Bad. I mean, their their path to winning is something like it was two years ago, where they hold on to the ball for thirty five minutes a game. Right, and know? they'll be able, Hopefully, they should be able to run it. I think they got a he, good running back. Right, fantasy people are pumped about him. He's pumped. But fantasy people are pumped about him. Yeah. Let us say that Tony Romo is uh, fragile. I think is an adjective I'd probably. Well, use. yes. <laughs> so is the backup quarterback <laughs> apparently right? And so uh, the backup just broke his yeah, broke ankle his yesterday. Ankle, yeah. So I think um, I think I'm not. I mean, it's there's definitely there's definitely uh, there's definitely upside potential, as they say, right? I mean, you could you could find eleven or twelve wins, but you could also find a really bad year. Jason yeah. Garrett gets fired. No, that's Tony how I feel Romo about the Saints. Slinks off into retirement. No, you know? the Saints and the Cowboys are very similar. You could find eleven wins, and you could find six. Either yeah, way. yeah, you really. could find four. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Every time I look at the Saints schedule, I come up with a different win total for the year. Depending yeah. on how op- optimistic or not optimistic I am that day, I think I've been as bad as seven and as good as twelve. It's funny how that works, isn't it? Yeah, I think the league is just like that. You know, I think it's just every year there's like maybe three or two teams that are above everyone in some way, and like maybe four or five that are below, and then everyone else 
lives in this world where they could be, you know, a playoff team or not really easily. And that's why it's amazing well, you know, the Bills haven't made the playoffs in 16 years. I mean, it's amazing. Right. It's amazing that that could happen. Yeah, exactly. That just seems Defies crazy. But like we can find the wins for the Patriots, right? Minus the Jimmy Garoppolo era. Right, which should be fine. Find the wins for Pittsburgh, right? Pretty much every year. Mm-hmm. Find the wins for the for the for the uh, Packers. You know, and probably Seattle at least. You know, like ten. But like, I think it's, it's out a lot of variability after that. You know? Yeah, yeah. I'm interested to see what Carolina. I'm really interested in them as a rival this year, just because they. And Cam Newton, I think I think it was me and you that had a long discussion about. No, actually, it was me and uh, David who had this discussion about Cam Newton and disliking him and what that might mean. And um, he works best when they're ahead. He is an unbelievable front runner, Cam Newton. He is great from the from the lead. Yeah, uh, you know he and he showed maturity last year. A few times they were behind, bringing them back, uh, but. He, I still find him to be a really easy player to rattle. And when he gets rattled, he's not accurate anyway. And when he gets rattled, he's really inaccurate. And then he starts thinking too much about running or throwing or staying, and that's when you can get them. And I just wonder if they don't – if they're not 8-0, can they be great again? I don't know. I don't it's know. a really good question. Yeah. Momentum was so mixed up in that last year. Yeah, they just know? got going, and they didn't stop. You know, and um, I don't think I don't think they were ever as good as their record was. But you know, there's a there's a saying that Coach Payton says all the time. You know, you are what your record is, and they were what their record was. So yeah, which I think Payton got from Bill Parcells, right? Uh, yes, he did. Yep, he says that all the time. Or what your record says you are. Yeah, I think the whole NFC is like that too. Arizona mm-hmm. in that in that realm too. You know? Did you watch their show? Arizona should be good. But did, did you watch their know. show Arizona on Amazon? I haven't yet. Oh, it's great. It's great. You have to watch it. you got to check it out. All right. It's at Brian Curtis on Twitter. Uh, the website is theringer.com. He's very kind to join us today. Uh, anything else you want to plug uh, over at ringer.com? Any podcasts? That's, or <laughs> that's it. I'm going to go write some more stories. I'll actually have stuff to plug. I think that's my biggest, uh, <laughs> my biggest challenge at the moment. All right, bud. Thanks for doing this. Thanks again, All as right. always. All right, I want to thank Brian Curtis for being on the podcast today. We're back. Paula's here, too. Yeah. She may or may not come on mic. Paula, you want to talk? Talk, girl. <laughs> How old is she now? Two mo- three About months? About seven weeks. Seven weeks. Wow. She's approaching the two-month uh, okay. flagpole. Looks good. Colston is going to be five on Sunday. Wow. But, uh, oh, there she is. She's happy. That's an awful take. <laughs> she hates the Bills. Uh, our website is www.sports-casters.com. You can find last week's podcast. We had Molly Knight yeah. and not Jerry Lawler, Richard. <laughs> uh, you can find that podcast in this week's on our website. You can also find our stuff on Stitcher and iTunes and all the places you find podcasts. You can find Don 
on Twitter at Don Lake Sports, and you can find me at sports underscore casters. Uh, and of course, you can email us at sportscasters at gmail.com. And don't forget, we're looking for your fantasy football quirks, rules, and apps, and anything you do in your league that you don't think other people do in theirs. Right. All right, one last thing for me this week. I may have mentioned that I started to watch Freaks and Geeks on Netflix, but man, how does a show like that get canceled? So good. Uh, I get sucked in real easy, and like, I, I don't know what, like, I know if I ever met Linda Cardinelli that she's not really Lindsay Weir, but like I don't, I don't know. Like, I feel like I get sucked into this world of theirs very easily. And, like, I want to like live in that world or whatever. But uh, it's great. It's was critically acclaimed. It what was a cast, too, for, right? Oh yeah, Franco. Man, if you watch this show now, having never seen it before, and you like, this is the most star-studded one season of a show. I don't right, I mean, it. they have Franco, they have Rogan. And that's not to mention even the guys that, like, are not regulars, but, uh, like, the second-to-last episode, uh, what's-his-name's on it? Uh, Zoolander. And the one geek is in uh, Ben Stiller. Ben Stiller, And the yeah. one geek is one of the geeks now in Silicon, Silicon Valley. Valley. Yeah, and he's great on that show. <laughs> yeah. He's great. And free- he's maybe the, uh, like, I signed up for the Freaks and Geeks subreddit after I finished it uh, in his stuff is always reposted because he's just a goofy. And Sam is a Big Brother super fan. Is he? Yes. But the show is great. Uh, 18 episodes. It's got an 8.9 on IMDb out of like 91,000 That's votes. like a solid 15 hours of TV too. I mean, it's 18, yeah, 40, met- five-minute shows. Or I mean, it's it's fantastic. To me, like it's like a more grounded, more real and – Funnier, like say by the bell type thing, and that's, always, how, that's how long I think it should have ran too. Uh, the main cast, I guess, the freaks are juniors. Juniors, yeah. So I think the show probably should have run at least one more, at, at least. least one more, and you could probably have followed the geeks until they left school, and, right? Uh, saw what the freaks did outside of school. That's a reason why NBC was so bad in that era. They made bad decisions, like. Not picking up freaks and geeks. Yeah. So, but it's it's great. We talk about shows that have good co-ed value. Yeah, that's and that perfect. Has it? My wife loved it. Yeah. Well, another thing I want to mention, show-wise, is Netflix put up a hard knocks for JUCO called Last Chance U. Really? It's a six-part, hour-long docu-series similar to Making a Murderer, but for football. Um, hard knocks is probably a better comparison. It's the junior college in Mississippi that Chad Kelly went to in between Clemson and uh, Ole Miss. And they've won three of the last five national championships. And it's really good. It's a good six, it's six episodes, I believe, and it's really good. And one of the quarterbacks that transfers in from Florida State to this school doesn't win the starting job, is going to be the starter at Auburn. This year, his name is John Franklin the Third. So it's interesting. He couldn't win the starting job <laughs> at his JUCO, but he is starting at Good Auburn. For him. Good so. for him. All right. One last thing for me today. I talked earlier in the podcast about how hype is ruling the NFL right now. Optimism. Sure. Everyone zero and zero. Yeah. You know, you're hearing a lot about guys being in the best shape of their life yeah. and. Eddie Lacy. And I'm here to report that I am 
super sucked in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you listen, we were talking about fantasy podcasts, the NFL podcast, the different. Those guys are a little bit. Those guys are hype machines. If, I don't know if you listen to the NFL fantasy podcast. Yes, they buy everything that comes out uh, of camp. I am head over heels about the 2016 Saints right now. Oh yeah, <laughs> I mean they. Michael Thomas. Every draft pick was unreal. Sweet. Especially Michael Thomas, who's kind of been the. You probably don't have to be really buying into the Saints to be really excited about what Michael Thomas has done at camp so far. He's been the star of the camp. Sure, and from a fantasy perspective. Uh, oh, God, we're killing the baby. She's choking. <laughs> um, yeah, and if you're a fantasy person. He, yeah, any Drew Brees wide receiver. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Fleener seems to be a great fit. You know, uh, Jarris Bird started from day one. You know, he wasn't had, didn't have to go on PUP to start practice. You know, nobody's hurt yet. They have, like, depth in places they haven't had depth. Last year, Drew Brees went, like, four weeks of training camp without throwing a pick against our number one defense, which is brutal because think <laughs> about how many throws you must throw in practice. Yeah. He's, like, throwing picks now and again, which is actually a good thing because defense there so should bad. be picks. Right. You know, if you're playing against the number one NFL defense when you're having that many reps every day. Yeah, you needed the longest drought, playoff drought in pro sports maybe to uh, calm that down a little bit. The Bills should – I mean, there should be some optimism from the Bills. Right, and there isn't. I think the yeah, I local think Bills sports fans. thing did a show on that about how this is probably a year there should be optimism, but because of everything that's happened the last 16 years, there isn't. Like how many teams would – have a Tyrod Taylor season and be excited that they found their guy. And like, I'm just still, everyone's waiting for the I'm other waiting. shoe to drop yep. with them. But I mean, I think Damashek, which is fair in the sense that he is an absolute nobody who can't complete five to 10 yard passes. Right. So Over the middle, but the one yeah. thing that I heard a uh, expert kind of talk, we're getting off all over the place here. Sorry. Yeah, but uh, the one thing I heard an expert kind of talk about is that those are usually the passes that right. are the easiest. He's so blowing the easy stuff and he's good so. at the harder stuff, yeah. which is really weird. But yeah, Damashek, I think, ranked them five. Like, they're triplets. Like, if you count number one receiver, quarterback, running back. Watkins, McCoy, and Taylor. Yeah, he said they're yeah. about his top five. So, it should be excited. To top 10, should be excited, right. but uh, I'm just waiting for an 8-8 eight and eight season, I guess. This, the Saints over-under for the year is seven and the over right now is minus 15. And if you think there's any chance you're going to bet the saints over under this year, now over is the best bet you're going to get. So you're saying you got to bet one fifteen to win a hundred. Yes. Okay. That's going to, that will end up being the favorite because it's so low. I mean, you need to, they'll need to go six and 10 to mm-hmm. lose that bet. And they've never done that with Brees and Peyton, even in the year that, Breeze didn't have Peyton. Well, you said it's seven, so they have to win eight, though. To win it, but to lose your money, they oh, have to a, go six and, and ten. And a push, it would pay back? Push, you just, you get, it's a push. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I didn't know that about over-under. Yeah, you don't lose, you lose your money on a push. Oh, okay. You lose 15. Sure. I guess, you know, you're right. You got to pay the VIG, but yeah, yep. you get your, your bet back. You know what? A lot of that, though. They're is, not going to go six and ten. They might go seven and nine. That's what I was going to say. How much will that move because of what's going to move? Even if they're good as Carolina. No, what's going to move is the odds. Okay. You know, they very rarely will move these. But will go up is how much you have to bet to win that hundred. Because I don't think it's hard to believe that the Saints will be good. But Carolina should be good. And Atlanta should be 
better. I don't even know if I'm making a huge argument that they're going to be good, but oh, I think I can make a strong okay. argument that they won't go six and ten. Oh, okay, and if you can buy into that bet gotcha. at minus one fifteen, that's the best value on the Saints over under you're going to get. Okay, I thought I thought no. you were talking about. I don't the hype think I'm selling. A, combining I don't think I'm selling a Saints are going to win the Super Bowl thing here. Okay, as much as I'm selling, I don't believe that their floor is six and ten. I think their absolute worst is seven and nine. Now, if Drew Brees gets hurt week one and is out for the year, they might struggle to win seven. But yeah, that's sure. the case with that's all these team. bets. Yeah, if sure. you lose your number one QB, you're gonna lose the bet. You're probably gonna be under. Yep. But um Yeah, buying with that hype. said, I'm buying the hype. 